0: to The Spoken. The spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This
1: is The Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside The Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 139, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you guys in this beautiful October Saturday. We are in the... Dead part of the not the dead. We're dead in the middle of the NFL season. We are so excited to get these things breaking down for you guys. Not just Chiefs related do- topics and news. We got a lot of stuff. I'm sure the Eddie Hour is gonna have a ton of different topics for us. Whether it's the MLB playoffs, the NBA season's now kicked off. We got a lot going on in the world of sports. This is by far. I don't know about you guys, but I think this is by far the best time of the year because all the sports that we care about are rolling they're going i mean i think even the mls playoffs are going on right now it's almost when does that start uh uh, november november okay so Uh, we're we're almost to the perfect part of the year but i'll take this time of year any time of the year because of the fact that the weather's perfect we got all the basic bitches drinks out there which i love so much we got bagels in my fridge things are going good at the spoken podcast and again regardless of your live streaming your youtubing or your podcast you want to thank you so much for being here with us I think there's a rumor, guys, that we actually have Stan Simmons back on the show for like a fourth straight week in the message board Mm -hmm. for the Monday mailbag, which, by the way, I heard it's also packed in the Monday mailbag, so we're going to make some time for you guys today. We also have a great guest that we haven't even announced yet on our social media. We have our guy Grant Morse from Arrowhead Live that's actually going to be showing up and making an appearance today to give us some intel, give us some insight when it comes to all things Chiefs, when it comes to what took place last week in Washington and what's supposed to take place this week in Tennessee. And that's actually where I want to start right here, right now, with you guys for episode 139. Last week, Trevor and I watched this game at our, our place, and um, we both felt, as you guys remember from episode 138, that this was a game that the Chiefs should win handily. This is a game that the Chiefs are going up against a team that initially I thought was going to have a really good season, and we've seen how Washington has very much struggled. And the, the Sean Taylor stuff aside, where they basically just try to throw that in to help with the PR status of their current situation as a franchise... The the biggest issue I had with the Chiefs on the field was once again we were staring at a team that came into the team came in came shot out of the gate struggling on both sides of the field. The defense again looked uninspired in some regards, and again this is actually a, a game where I felt the Chiefs' defense came out and played their best, but we could still see certain deficiencies downfield. We saw third and sixteen, a minus three uh, pass attempt from Taylor Henneke ends up going for nineteen yards, and you saw Tyron Matthew absolutely lose his shit on the sidelines. You saw the Chiefs' offense once again having miscues. You saw Tyreek Hill once again drop a pass that results in an interception. You saw Patrick Mahomes once again for the second time this season throw a pass that we have no idea what he was trying to do with the ball other than he was just simply simply pressing. And I ain't going to lie to you guys. That first half, when it was over, I sat there and I said, man, I, I'm really starting to wonder if this team was broken by that Super Bowl loss. Because if you guys remember, when we came into this season, I was one of the people out here that said, and I believed it very strongly, that this Chiefs team is so resilient that a, a loss in the Super Bowl, regardless of it affecting teams of the past, I didn't feel this was going to be a team that this was going to really affect going into the next season. Especially when you hear guys like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes talking about how they obsessed over that frustrating loss and how they were going to do everything they could to come into this next season firing all, on all cylinders. And I'm sitting here at halftime against a team the Chiefs should have been beating by multiple scores, yet we're losing 13-10. to I'm sitting here thinking, does this team really have it? And a guy that I haven't placed a lot of blame on this season and I still won't place blame on this season, but a guy I needed to talk about for the first time pretty much all season was Andy Reid. I said, "This, these are the moments. These are the games and what your coach is supposed to get you out of it, out of the muck and the mire, get you out of that slump as a team. This is Andy Reid's time to do something. Now, I don't know what happened in the locker room at halftime. I have no idea what was said or who was was it said by. All I do know is when that second half kicked off, for the first time all season, I saw a Chiefs team that I believed was there all along. And that was a Super Bowl contending Chiefs team. That second half against the Washington football team was by far the best Chiefs team we have seen since, last year's, or since the last year's AFC Championship against the Bills when they won 38-24. to 24. That's the team we've been missing all season. And we talked about it on this show, that up to, up to week five, or up to week six, rather, against Washington, we have not seen a team that was super-worthy. We all agreed on that, and I, I would be willing to bet all of you would agree with me on that as well. We haven't seen it. Yes, they came back against the Browns in that second half, and they did capitalize off mistakes but they were still showing deficiencies. Against Washington in the second half, they gave up 76 yards total to Washington. Zero points. Washington came into that second half with 13 points, left the game with 13 points, and the Chiefs went on an absolute tear offensively. Patrick Mahomes looked like, by far and away, the best quarterback, the best football player in the world in that second half. And we're sitting here going, oh, this is great, but where the hell has this been? And a lot like the adjustment that we finally saw them make, which, by the way, there's no coincidence, the defense looked at absolute best. The one Dan Sorensen's playing 20% of the snaps as opposed to 100 the week previous. No coincidence to that. It's the fact that this team, why they're so frustrating to me is the fact that they wait for weeks and weeks and weeks to finally make the adequate changes and adjustments to get better. That's always been one of my biggest concerns with this team. We've expressed this on this show is that a lot of times it feels as if this team just rests on their laurels far too often. They know they're so talented. They know they have Patrick Mahomes that can get you out of any slump or any any situation that it seems dire or stressful. They rest on that too often. They rely on that too often. And I think for the first five weeks of the season, five and a half weeks of the season, you saw this team doing just that. The Ravens game is one I always go to, where the Chiefs are going out there and moving the ball at will, but the defense plays uninspired football and couldn't stop a nosebleed. And against Washington, you saw it again. Only difference is, this team knew, with the adjustments they made with Juan Thornhill, with the adjustments they made on the offense, they could finally put it together as a team. And when they did that, you saw a team that is worthy of winning a Super Bowl. And I don't want to hear anybody sit here and say, well, it was against Washington. Because, as I recall just a few weeks ago, the Chiefs gave up 30 points and 461 yards to a Philadelphia Eagles team who's currently sitting 17th in total offense. So I don't want to hear that. It doesn't matter who the opponent was that week. The fact is the Chiefs finally did what they needed to do, and it gave us Chiefs fans and people that that cover this team and the team as a whole hope and confidence and belief that they can do that for multiple weeks at a time. Now, I'm not expecting perfection out of this team. I'm not expecting this defense to become an elite defense because they're just not, especially when you have guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones in and out of the lineup, especially when you have zero pass rush even when those guys are on the field. What I do believe, though, is we saw something in that team that can and will show itself more often than it has to this point because they finally did it. And we know anything in sports, because all three of us have played sports here, and a lot of you guys watching and listening to this have played sports yourself. Maybe still are. That when you and your team finally do something, it clicks, or it should click. And when you're a team that's been to back to back Super Bowls, I can only hope that that click took place. And again... We have no idea what was said or who said it during halftime. All we do know is that was a much different team that came out in that second half than it came out in the first half. And I would like to believe that team's going to show itself more times than not as the rest of this schedule plays itself out. Trevor, what did you take away from the Washington game?
3: Man, uh, a lot of positives. Uh, we needed that. You know, we needed uh, Sean Wharton making plays. Frank Clark looking like a human being, um, like he's alive. <clears throat> fairly, fairly good at setting the edge. Um, I, I'm almost convinced I don't want to watch Chiefs games until the second half. It's really frustrating. We're great in the second half of games. We're the, I think we're the high, one of the, if not second highest scoring second half team in the NFL right now, especially in the third quarter. Um, I, don't, I hate that we feel like we need to make adjustments every single week just to be competent and, and be in these games. It's frustrating. Uh, there was no reason for us to start that first half off against this Washington team the way we did a um, completely inexcusable throw by Pat, man. That was that was like watching Jameis Winston pre-LASIK. You know, that was, like I told you, and Taylor, when we were watching the game here, like it felt like I was watching my five-year-old playing Madden. Like that's how bad it looked. It was, it was, it was terrible. Um, and that's giving them a lot of credit. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Darrell Williams, man, was just hitting the gaps, looked great, doing what he needed to do, getting the job done, picking his angle and just going for it. And the guy is an absolute Mack truck, man. I love watching him run the football uh he's doing what we need him to do um kelsey out there man was the mvp in my mind just banged up just got the whole you can see the goal for that washington defense was just to push him around bully him not let him get off his off the line of scrimmage you know hit him bump him in every single route uh and he was getting bullied out there he was getting hit left and right his wrist his his i think his foot or whatever his shoulder everything was just getting banged up out there um and he was just out there pushing it and pushing it so I was super proud of Kelsey and his. He just showed his pure leadership and and why he's the the veteran on this team now. You know he's become that guy. Uh, so I'm just, I was super proud of him. Tyreek fighting through some injuries too, out uh, there making plays, humping the air. It was fun to watch. Um, yeah, man. I mean, overall positives. This was definitely a get right game for us, especially in that second half. Three more turnovers though, man. McColl's got to hold on to the damn ball. Right, on these on these plays hold on to the ball at this I, my biggest takeaway from the from the negatives was just too much lack of discipline on this team I don't there's just I don't know if it's at practice if Andy Reid's is not giving these guys ass enough which I don't really believe because Andy Reed from what all I've, I've always heard about him is he's he he's pretty heavy on the practice he makes these guys go through the trenches um, so I don't know what it is man I don't know if these guys are just not wanted this just the, the ball security or lack thereof is just really really starting to frustrate me badly um, you know, through this first quarter of this year already, we've already had we're leading the league in turnovers. I know we forced a couple ourselves, uh, which was good to see. It was good to see this defense get a couple takeaways. That was huge, and that was the turning point of this game, really. That was especially that to Warden play. That was incredible the way he just pinned that ball against that guy's helmet. Uh, so, overall, man, positives, not too many negatives. The positives outweighed I- I this-, this game, and we won by a, a good margin, which I- we needed to see that. Granted, this is not the best offense we're going against. Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke definitely struggled, but uh, I mean, we, we needed to do what we needed to do, do against bad teams, and we did that. So I'm proud of his guys, and you know, we got to take that and move forward with that formula.
2: <clears throat> Man, for me, a lot of bad takeaways from that first half. That first half was just horrendous. Uh, uh, from the offense, I got to give the defense some credit. They were making some stops in the in their first half. Uh, they did. The, the Washington did score 13 points, and they were looking a little bit of efficient out there. The defense managed to make those stops, managed to make those uh, those uh, those third down stops, and, you know, try, uh, get the offense back on the field. And then the offense was just like, nah, here you go, take it back, Washington, we don't want it. That, that Patrick Mahomes uh, interception, just, there's no excuse for it. It's just, like you said, that was just him pressing. Uh, th- there was really no need for it. just just get take take the sack at that at that point, at that point just trying to get rid of the ball into the field. Just take the sack because you're risking the interception, which he did. He just literally lopped it loft it to the uh, defender. Can't be doing that on 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 games, especially when it's that close of a game. Uh, yeah, second half completely different team. Completely different team defense was even more solid than what it was already in the first half just allowing 13 points uh yeah it's a washington football team so let's not get too carried away about this defense doing their job uh obviously they're out there playing uh i would say an average offense uh, and they, they were able to manage to to stop them and you know play great frank clark had a great game so it, it's just you know uh Got to learn from that second half and make sure you make it consistent. Stay consistent to that to that level of play. Don't just come out in second halves. You got to make make that consistency, you know, throughout the whole season, not just one game, two games, or second half there, second half here, second half there, first half here, first half there. We need to be we need to be more consistent. It, yeah, it, the like I said, the defense we saw the difference with one Thornhill. And like you said last week, don't expect Juan Thornhill to change this this defense completely. It's not it's not the all fix for for this defense. But we did see a much better secondary out there. It, it, it was more athletic. It, it, exactly, more more athletic, more speed. So therefore, we kind of took those big plays away from Washington, even if they wanted to. Uh, yeah, the defense looked good. Offense still shaky. Uh, still have to manage those turnovers. This, those turnovers. Those are being too crucial. And too often, we can't. And, and we've saw that if we do those turnovers against good teams, they're gonna take advantage and and punish us for those mistakes. So we, we gotta we gotta make sure we we, we are more uh, composed and make uh, uh, hold the ball better. Uh, Terwick Hill with the interception, uh, it, it's it's off your it's it, it hit both weeks, your, it, it hit it hit both your hands. I would understand if it was a bad throw from Patrick Mahomes, but it was. It was like the, a more perfect throw couldn't be even, like, yeah, so yeah. they need to work on discipline, like Trevor said I think as the weeks go on, I think this team will, will have better discipline, I think they've learned that in the first six weeks, that if, if like I said, if you mess up other uh, good teams are going to punish you and take advantage of that, so uh, I hope this consistency stays and, and I don't hope I, like I hope it's not just a second half thing.
1: I you know I, something else that happened uh, during this this game that felt very interesting was also the Chiefs had a an extremely balanced attack on offense which I really much I really did like. They ran the ball 28 times in this game which is very un Andy Reid like. You you know he usually has anywhere from 16 to 22 rushes a game. You know, a lot of throws, and, and Patrick did throw the ball 47 times, but I think that's a, a testament to how much this Chiefs offense dominated time of possession in this game, and were able to do whatever they wanted, and, and it's, so, it's so puzzling that we're still sitting here almost halfway through the season. We're over a third into the season now, where we're still talking about the offense struggling in the way that they are, yet they're still scoring unlike anybody else in the league right now as far as points per, per possession. It's unbelievable how bored Tommy Townsend's got to be right now. Is the Chiefs punter, because he finally punted. You know, we got a punt out there. I mean, he's, he's punted he less than, terrible. He's punted less than that ten times Pearl in this terrible. season. He's rusty, man. Six, <laughs> six weeks into the season, six games into the season, he's punted less than ten times. I mean, that's unbelievably great from the Chiefs. And so, uh, I, I don't want to oversimplify this situation the Chiefs have when it comes to the turnovers. But we all yeah. know, at least to this point, we're confident that they're not going to continue to struggle like this. Which means what? If they're already averaging 31, 32 points a game with these struggles, give them extra possessions of, of a different result where it's not a turnover. It's, oh, we got a field goal. Like even the lowest margin of, oh, we got a field goal out of it. You're talking about a team that's going to average 37, 38 points a game, which isn't too crazy because with Kareem Hunt in those first 10, 11 games of 2018, that's exactly what the Chiefs are averaging. 14
3: turnovers in six weeks, man. That's it's excusable. That's why when, when, like, when we watched that game, that's why I was, last when, when I saw we got that third turnover. In the game and Pat threw that pick, I, I I just I said it out loud like we are a turnover prone team. This is now a trend. This isn't something that's just going to go away. So this it, is, something we is have that to, what you guys
1: do believe? You this guys is something we have to fix. Is this something that you guys think the Chiefs will legitimately like deal with throughout the season, or is this something that man before that bye week they're really struggling if with this turnovers? Is like just a couple games, yeah, sure.
3: This yeah. is six six weeks now. We have multiple turnovers every single game. Yeah, two with four each. That's unacceptable. And then another three-turnover game against Washington? I'll say this Dude, real quick. I'll say happen. this
1: real quick. The reason why I'm not concerned about it being an actual, like, it's in their DNA. is Because, yeah, yeah. first of all, it's never been in Patrick right, right, Mahomes' right. DNA. Second of all, it isn't like Patrick Mahomes is, like, throwing horrible, like, no. first down throws that are just terrible throws. Yeah. It's on third and longs. It's on a play where he knows i got to make a play right here. And he throws why, it up in the air. Yeah. You know, stuff. it's desperation plays we're seeing this on. And yeah. on the other side of it, it's Tyreek Hill dropping passes that... He never well, drops back-to-back it's, it's, back it We're
3: doing it in a bunch of different I ways. Clyde, Clyde was fumbling. McColl fumbled. Yeah. It's like the whole team just seems undisciplined. That's why discipline is my key thing yeah. here. Uh, it's ball security uh-huh. is the first thing you learn in football as an offensive player. Ball security. Yeah. You can't give the ball back to the other team. That's the goal. The scoring and don't turn it over. Those are the two objectives you have that you have to keep in your head throughout the game, and we're just failing at it.
2: I just think it'll, it will it will get better as the season goes on. I don't think it's going to be an easy Can't fix. Can't get much worse, man. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be an easy fix. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to take some time. I do think maybe after the bye week, uh, we will see those turnovers starting to fade away and kind of like uh, something that we kind of talk, not every weekend, but every so often. Uh, but I, I, I do think those... Uh, those turnovers will go slowly go away. I think
3: I should change this coming week against the Titans, and we'll get to that. But well, yeah, and, and, and I think that's a good game. To there's fix another. That.
1: Thi- there's another part of the of the offense I, I do want to uh, address as well is is Daryl Williams. Um, he did have a good game. Uh, he that's actually had thing. 21 of the 28 rushes in yeah. this game. He had only 62 yards, which means he was getting about three yards a carry. But he did get two t- two touchdowns in the red zone. There's there's now a debate going on uh, on Chiefs Twitter about well Clyde edwards solaire couldn't do what Daryl does, and although I don't I don't disagree with that because Daryl's a bigger more physical you know specimen when it comes to the running back position, we have to still remember that he did average three yards per carry in this game. It's not like he was out there just Dearness Johnson the 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 Washington football team defense. He wasn't out there getting 148 yards seven yards a clip. We have to contextualize some things. I think Clyde is catching a lot of strays that I don't think he deserves. Am I sitting here saying that Daryl Williams doesn't present something that Clyde doesn't? Yes, I, I do believe he does, that, that Daryl does provide physicality that Clyde doesn't have because he's an undersized back. But I think it's ridiculous that we're sitting here and pretending as if Clyde hasn't been effective this season. Has he had a couple fumbles? Yes, he has. But Tyreek Hill's also had a lot of drops. And we can't sit here and justify one and not the other. Clyde edwards has been a very effective running back this season. Has he been what we expected him to be, out the gate of a, as a first-round pick? No. But that isn't, that to me isn't an end-all be-all where, oh, he hasn't been that good through 20 games. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw the numbers I had posted. Through 20 games, uh, Clyde edwards has had a better career to this point than Thurman, Thomas, Priest-Holmes, and Jamal Charles. So, you can sit here and nitpick him all you want. The fact is, through 20 games, he's been better than three guys that probably should be in the Hall of Fame. And two of them already, or one of them already is. So... I think that we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. We can praise Darrell Williams for what he did and what he's done, but we can't. We don't need to be sitting here and talking about Clyde Artesolaire as if he's been some, you know, uh, anchor to the Chiefs' offense by some crazy means because, if anything, he's been the opposite of that. Just like McCole Hardman. A lot of people like to shit on him and say that, oh, he had a fumble, so therefore he, sh- he, sh- he shit. Guys, you have to look at what McCole Hardman's doing for this offense. He's been getting a lot of possession receiving re- receptions where he's getting these eight, nine yards the Chiefs need. Because we know Tyreek Hill's the, a, big, a big play guy. Travis Kelsey's a big play guy. We assume that McCole Hartman's supposed to be a big play guy. But he's doing what everyone's anticipating Josh Gordon to be doing, getting eight, nine yards a catch. That's what we need out of a guy like McCole Hartman, and that's what he's given us, not to mention the fact he had a 46-yard reception in this game against Washington. So I'm, I'm deciding, and you guys can decide how you want to handle it yourselves, but I'm deciding through this part of the season I'm going to give positive... Uh, feedback to guys like Clyde edwards Laird and McCole Hardman because I think they've been more of a net positive than net negative for this offense. What, what, real quick, just give me some quick thoughts on those yeah, two guys in mean, particular.
3: I think those arguments are ridiculous. I don't even understand why we're comparing Clyde to. I mean, I was jokingly saying throughout the game last week that yeah, uh, Daryl the better back. The better. The, <laughs> I don't think he's the better back. Obviously, Clyde's the more talented guy. The only problem I've had with since we've had Clyde is the way we utilize him. We don't utilize him to his strengths. That's my biggest grief. My biggest problem with how we've, Clyde's obviously going to put up numbers in this offense. He's the more talented back. But I do like how Daryl's being used because we're utilizing Daryl to his strengths. He's a good red zone running back, a bruiser. And he's a good guy, you know, picking his spot and is going for it. Clyde's the more agile, scat back type running back. And we're not really utilizing him to his strengths. That's what pisses me off the most because I know he's more talented than Daryl. He obviously has way more in his bag of tricks um, he's more of a home run hitter than Daryl is Daryl's is that bruiser that you just you know just give it to him he'll get you three four at a time and then bang his way into the end zone when you're in you know within the 10. that's the kind of guy I like for this team right now and he's doing he was doing his job and he was very efficient uh two 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 rushing touchdowns it's been a minute since we've seen two rushing touchdowns in this offense so I like seeing that and it keeps the the, the defense is honest that we face that's what I like that Daryl brought to this offense Clyde is obviously more of a home run here to guy. You get him in those dink and dunks, which we just haven't utilized yet. Now, I expect to see that moving forward, hopefully. But comparing the two is just stupid because they're two totally different type of running backs. Um, and McColl, obviously McColl's I love that guy. I don't know how you don't like that guy, what he's been doing for this offense. He's been doing his job. He's been doing what he's asked to do. Uh, I think he will get some more deep looks. I think he will become that guy as the season goes on with the addition of Josh Gordon because I think Josh Gordon will become that possession guy. Um, he's that get-up-and-get-it guy. Uh, tough to defend. He's this size and speed combination. So I think we're going to see a lot. of. It's, it's been some strange growing pains for this offense for some reason. I don't know what the, what the deal is exactly, but we've been in the funk, and uh, once we get out of it, the league's in trouble.
2: Yeah, I like Daryl Williams for the red zone. Give me, give me Daryl Williams for the red zone because yep. Clyde teller he's not the too answer. indecisive. Yeah, too, too indecisive. We saw Daryl Williams in one of the touchdowns. He broke to the right, but then he saw that there was no hole, and he saw the hole to the left. So he just kind of did the. He broke to the left and then just went in like it was nothing. And I think, and I, and I think Clyde struggles with finding that hole in that red zone, uh, and and Daryl being that that. Uh, Power guy being that that guy that just wants that contact, you know, mm-hmm. fucking bulldoze people in into the end zone. I think that's the people we need in the end zone after the twenty yard. Uh, take Clyde out, put put Daryl in, get you those yards, and because then then like that you won't have uh, double coverage with with Tyreek, or they'll leave somebody open with uh, either Kelsey or Tyree, and you'll have those options, and then because then you'll be like, oh shit, they they got the running game. It's like fuck. Now we got to worry about the running game and the two. And two of the best receiving options for the Chiefs. Yeah. So I think I think I think at the red zone, I think they, the Chiefs should stick to Daryl. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but Daryl was much uh, better. Uh, fuck. Well, well, He's better between the tackles. That's for yeah. sure. He's better at so, picking the gap and hitting it. Exactly. Clyde, so
3: Clyde's got to get utilized in the in the, in the passing game in the pa- though. Yeah. And that's what. That's mean, so, go watch the like, tape, of LSU. No, like man, you said, I did. think
2: Clyde's more of a home run kind of guy. And they're not utilizing to his strengths. And, and I think Daryl Williams, they're using to what he is built for. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of fans uh – Overreact to what he did last, yeah, uh, he's last not, week. He's not Overreacts Clyde, the correct word because
1: they, they can be complementary to their strengths. Absolutely. We've seen so many teams, yeah. so many teams that have running backs that that have their own strengths and weaknesses, and, and teams that know what those strengths and weaknesses are can utilize those guys effectively mm. and the way they're supposed to be. Whereas more to the Browns, Clyde, the yes, Clyde needs to be more of a pass option running back. Yeah. He needs to be what Jared McKinnon. A lot of people believe Jerick McKinnon is. I, I think I think Clyde McKinnon are more like than Clyde yes, and Daryl are. Absolutely. I think. Daryl is more of a, like Trevor said, between the tackles, get those third and three, third and two type of yards, yep. let him bully in. And that's actually, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself here, but that's actually a matchup I'm really looking forward to seeing in this Titans game is Daryl Williams out in the flat, out in the open against some of these secondary guys, the Titans, who are already small and undersized, who don't like making big tackles like that. I would like to see a lot of that too, but in this in this instance i would like to see clyde being utilized more as a receiving option player because that's also going to alleviate a lot of the coverage that tyreek and travis see like we've talked about in the past that's only going to add versatility to this offense because to be to be honest as much as as good as kareem hunt was at running the ball here in kansas city he led the league in rushing in 2017 he was equally as effective in the pass game. Mm-hmm. And you saw how unstoppable this Chiefs offense was in games where Kareem was galloping in the flat, getting passes, going 7-8 yards a clip. It opened up so much down the field for Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. That's what they need to do with Clyde Edwards-Lair. Now, one more thing before we move on from the, the Washington football game. I have to point out my guy, Mac Dana. Mike Dana has been by far, I, I think I right now,
3: yeah.
1: Ty, Tyron Matthew is obviously an All-Pro. He's always going to be an All-Pro. He's like the Salvi of the Chiefs. Right? You just know what he's going to be each and every season, especially defensively yeah. when it comes to Tyron Matthew. But Mike Dana, to this point, guys, I don't think it's crazy to say he's been the best overall defender on the Chiefs right now just based on effectiveness. He's got three and a half sacks this season. That, that doesn't seem like a lot. But when you consider the fact that he's got almost fi- essentially 50% of the Chiefs sacks this season, when you have two guys and Chris Jones and Frank Clark that are making $180 million. Hey, Frank Clark should have had a sack. Just saying I don't know how the hell Heineke stayed up on that, that play oh, man. yeah. You know, all I'm saying is I thought it was a
2: sack to be yeah, honest. Frank Clark on the result got side of too. things, yeah. on the result yeah. side
1: of things, Mike Dana has overperformed. Yeah,
2: yeah. No one was
1: expecting this from a fifth yeah. round flyer out of Michigan. No one was expecting this. And this guy just in year two is already taken care of business, especially when you talk about the fact that he has no real help to this point of the season. Now, can the Chiefs get better at rushing the quarterback because of the fact that Frank Clark and Chris Jones seemingly are getting healthier and will finally be on the field healthy? I think it's the first time since the the Browns game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're finally gonna see those guys together. But we cannot ignore or or downplay what Mike Dana has done to this point.
2: Yeah, uh, and to add to that, I don't know why cheese cheese fans are criticizing uh, Tyron Matthew. What like where is that coming from? We
3: fucking needed that. That's what we, when we talk about the sideline antics. So no, like, no, 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 no. Like no,
2: no, no. Like when when he missed a Uh-oh. when he missed a sack. Oh. A lot of Chiefs fans went to Twitter to fucking talk so much Look, shit. Look, i say this. Tyron, yeah. Tyron
1: Matthew is an easy target yeah. because Tyron Matthew's vocal, and when you're vocal on a bad defense, a lot of times people sit here and shit talk you back because you're the one that's willing to talk about things. Like, people don't... Remember Alex Smith and how no one ever wanted to openly criticize and guys like me and Clay Windler. whenever we did, they shit on us? It's because why? Alex was a quiet, very nice guy. He didn't really ever ruffle any feathers. But imagine Alex Smith talking like Tyron Matthew on social media and then had struggles. He would get shit on by a lot of people. That's the difference. It all comes down to personality. If you're a real nice guy that never upsets anybody and just kind of stays in the middle like an Alex Smith, you're never going to have people talking shit on you. And when you have people talking shit on you, it's about your performance on the field, not you. People talk about Tyron Matthew because he's an outward, passion, alpha male type. And those are the types of guys that people like to go at.
3: But yeah, we can't count the hits and ignore but the miss or count the misses and ignore the hits, too. They're like also
1: that. the same guys that people will kiss their ass on right. Twitter when they're out there balling and yeah, the team's exactly. clicking. When he was in that Baltimore nah. game, you see we that, too, don't you?
3: Yeah. Like oh my god, oh. you know what I mean? So like I just yeah that, and I want to talk about Lajarius Sneed, too, man. That that awareness uh, on that on that fumble. Yes, Hit, dude, that was such a great play. We forced the fumble uh, uh, on the uh, the running back there in Washington, and 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 uh, he's he he's seen it the whole way. He ran in there and got the football. I just uh, Sneed has been so damn good, man. Like he's he's. You know how every, we know he's week. good?
1: We ain't hearing about it. Exactly. When you when a corner ain't getting a lot of talk during the game, that means that dude's bowling.
3: Yeah, man. So I, I was super proud of him. I was super proud of this defense overall for the most part. I think everybody out there just outside there's only like I said, there was only one really bad play that Blum played to uh Ricky Still Jones. That was the only like it literally like I don't know what happened on that play. That was insane. But outside of that, the defense was nails, man. They were absolutely and not, that's been an offense, not a great offense, yeah. but that's been an offense that's had some performances against some good defenses and put up points. Russell won't allow 13 points, man. I'll take it. I don't care who it is. And
2: like I said last week, I think this game was was a was gonna be a turn turnaround point for the Chiefs. I think this game was gonna be that game that uh kind of kinda gave them that boost that they need, that defense enough that they is need. Enough. Exactly. Yeah. The I, I think I I said it last week, and the defense came out pretty good since the first half. Yeah, they had missing skews in and there. But the the offense mistakes overshadowed anything the defense was Was doing wrong the first half the defense made stops to where they made Washington punt the ball and the Chiefs gave the ball right back like we gotta we gotta start giving the credit to that defense little by little and I think it's and I think against the Bills they did some of that work uh, we saw it in the second half to where they they were able to slow down Josh Allen and then the Chiefs didn't capitalize on that they were able to stop him I believe twice yeah and, and so we turned it over exactly, and we turned it over. <laughs> the so, issue,
1: the issue with the Bills game. The only thing I'm going to say that's different between that and the Washington, Washington game is obviously the fact that you're talking about the Chiefs defense gave up 24 points in the first half <laughs> against the Bills. So, so I, I get it. At the end of the game, they started to put it together a little bit, but at that point, the game was kind of already decided. So I can't really put praise on the Chiefs defense because they were the ones that actually made the game kind of out of reach before Patrick Mahomes, and the offense, really clicked. Did the Chiefs offense click in that game? No, they didn't. did that, My point, though, is there wasn't any complimentary football going on at all pretty much throughout the entire season outside of the second half against the, the Browns, in particular in the third quarter, and then the entire second half. Because, look, again, I, I have to emphasize this. Against Washington, everyone talks about, oh, that's the Washington football team, so that isn't a lot to take away from that. I disagree. Because going into that game, uh-huh. Washington football team was scoring almost 26 points a game. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs cut that in half for the entirety of that second. They gave up less than 100 yards in that second half. Yeah,
3: and Terry McCorn got his ass shot. Down, That's an elite receiver right there. Terry McCoy is 100% an elite receiver in this league at this point. So, And he's been putting up numbers against good defenses. So I, I think we put the clamps on him. I think he only had like four catches for like 50-something yards. We put the clamps on him, and that's a legitimate guy. That's week in, week out. Just from my fantasy outlook, I've, I was, I mean, I've just having him on a couple of my fantasy teams, and I know that what that guy does and was capable of.
1: Again, the, the biggest part we have to take away from this is, yes, it was against Washington, but the Chiefs... The Chiefs also didn't have two of their best pass rushers in this. I'm sorry, they had Frank Clark, but they didn't have uh, Chris Jones. And if you have Chris Jones in there and you're cutting a team's of scoring average in half, uh. we could sit here and say, well, okay, you're fully loaded. But Willie Gay barely played it all in this game, too. That's something we have to remember in these games, guys, is that although you're facing inferior teams, if you're still going out there getting it done, despite the fact you're missing your best defender and your most athletic linebacker and Anthony Hitchens get hurt in the middle of the game, You're talking about you also having deficiencies as well. Granted, Washington did not have ha- like half their offensive line. Brandon sheriff didn't play. They were missing a tackle. The, they had injured players on the and the skills positions, and they have Taylor Hennocky, who's not a great quarterback. Well, having about said way. that, though, you yeah. have a defense out there that has been struggling all season right. and has injuries, and you're still going out there and doing what they did. Well, that mean, second we, half.
3: We, we thought that it was going to be a get right game in Philly for the defense, and they gave up almost thirty points, right? So this is this that Philly team is very comparable to this Washington team. They're they're fairly similar. I think I think this Washington team actually has more talent offensively uh granted I think the quarterback I think Jalen Hurts is better than than Heineke but it hasn't been that much different he's a little bit more mobile than Heineke obviously uh but those these two teams are very similar and we only allowed 13 points this time around to and then the Philly we allowed a damn near 30 so um yeah I mean this is definitely you got to take you got to take it as a positive you can't take that as a negative our defense was performing outside of that one broken play that touchdown play which was the only touchdown we allowed all day we allowed one touchdown. I am with that 100%. I don't care who we're playing. If we're allowing one touchdown. Yeah, we're going to win. Yeah. 10 yeah.
1: times out of 10 if we only allow one touchdown. Yeah. And you have Pat playing on the other side. Like it's And folks are talking about the, you know, the the Tyron Matthew stuff on the sidelines and I'll address that directly I as well love because it. We, I know you kind of brought it up about why cheese fans like to come at him, especially on social media. One, again, he's not afraid to speak his mind. And on the sideline thing, you know, a lot of folks take that as oh, that's a detriment, or he's being a baby. It's so <laughs> funny how different people look at that when Tom Brady does it. Isn't yeah. that hilarious how that works? Like, remember guys like Dez? A lot remember, of our greats have done
3: that remember, shit. Remember like
1: when Odell and Dez would do yeah. that, people like, oh, selfish players, divas, yeah, yeah. Just divas, but then they get the mic'd up, and they're like, getting their team geared up let's go we can do this like well, that's we love what travis chelsea we loved travis but Kelsey did it tyron it's funny this like yeah, tyron matthew's out here doing the same <laughs> thing tom brady does and we sit there and view it two different ways yeah. it's just funny how that works yeah, like would you rather tyron matthew be more and i'm not trying to call out eric Berry, but would you rather him be more like eric Berry, where he just acts like he's just disinterested my spirit's not into it any right. longer would you rather him be I like that it. especially
3: on defense i love the fuck dudes they're yes. calling their helmets and you fucking cussing that. their guys out if it's an offense, if it's Tyreek's out there like getting a pass, that's that's one thing. You don't really necessarily need that. We need we need balanced heads on, on on offense. You don't need to play angry offensively. You need to play fucking angry defensively. Yeah. You need to go hit people, and that's what I've been. And then we saw man on that field defensively. We saw these guys out there willing to make, sacrifice their
1: bodies and make plays, and that's what we got to see moving forward. All right, boys and girls. We're really excited for this next guest that we have on today. We like to say that we get some pretty damn good guests, but this is one I've been very much looking forward to because I respect this guy's content. I respect their content as whole. This is the owner, the president, whatever title you want to give this man, you can give it to him. The Prez. My guy from Arrowhead Live, the one, the only, Mr. Grant Morse. How are we doing today, Mr. Grant? <sighs> doing all right. And I hey, cannot hey, hear hey, Grant. I'm, is he there? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Grant? I'm doing all right, man. How are you guys? We're doing great, man. We're really glad you're here with us today. It's a beautiful Saturday. We are here talking some Chiefs football. We just broke down our thoughts, our takes on the Washington football game. And I actually want to start right there with you because I know and I've seen a lot of your uh, takes, your tweets about this game in particular, and I know that you probably felt the same way I did. That first half, that second half, you want to talk about a tale of two different halves, man. Just from the overview of this game, from your point of view you know the first half was more of a representation of what this season has been for the chiefs to this point but that second half showed us everything that we have known over the last two to three years of what this team can and will do when they get it all together and i think there's no coincidence that the one thornhill adjustment bringing him into the game and subbing out Sorensen essentially for one thornhill i think that made a humongous change i think that made a humongous difference But I think that this offense finally felt a little confident, a little more comfortable in that second half that they can go out there and do what they needed to do. And when you saw this team click on all cylinders, they looked like a Super Bowl team once again. What was your overall takeaway from this game against the Washington football team?
4: Yeah, I mean, the first half started out pretty shaky. Uh, We had the turnovers, turnover issues again on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, even in the first half, I still think our defense played okay. Uh, We gave up a few catches to Ricky Sills-Jones, which was interesting because he couldn't even get on the field for us last year, and then he comes out and just dominates us uh, for the most of the, for most of the game. Um, but in the second half, obviously, we picked things up, and uh, defense looked great. With that being said, you know, we were playing Taylor Heineke, um, and Washington was playing a little banged up. So I'm taking it with a grain of salt. But I did see a lot of encouraging um, factors from the defense. I think the Juan Thornhill... Uh, transition like you suggested was a huge positive and I think our past defense at the very least looked much better and I actually think the, the move helped our run defense as well because they're able to put Daniel Sorensen in a position where he can actually succeed um, you know playing inside the box while Juan Thornhill's back there at free safety uh, and then also allows Tyron Matthew to move around a little bit more than he was during this season. I think I, I tweeted this a while back, but I think this is the most um, Tyron Matthew has played free safety alone uh, in the past three year, three or four years of his career. So it's kind of interesting. He was playing, you know, about twenty five percent free safety here and there, um, over the past three or four years, and then he comes in to twenty twenty one and he's playing, you know, fifty percent, which it just didn't make much sense why the situation with Juan Thornhill and I'm not sure what happened there, but I guess they got it figured out. And hopefully moving forward, that is the case instead of, you know, Spagnolo's comments last week uh, or this week saying, you know, that Sorensen's just in a slump. So I think Daniel so- Sorensen is in his correct role right now. And I think Juan Thornhill has, you know, earned his place back uh, in his normal role.
1: And when you talk about the correct role or the right role for a player, you and I have somewhat seen eye-to-eye when it comes to Chris Jones. I was very much open-minded to the idea that they try him at defensive end because I know that's where he wanted to play, Mm -hmm. and the Chiefs, quite frankly, needed an elite type of pass rusher on the outside, but it hasn't worked to this point, and I think that we now know that the Jaron Reed experiments, a lot of these other experiments that they try to have down the middle have not worked, so therefore Mm -hmm. you need to adjust and you need to put Chris Jones down the middle of the defense. How much of a difference do you think that's going to make once the Chiefs ultimately decide to do that, hopefully by this week
4: you know i think it'd be a good idea to kind of maintain the flexibility with chris jones if they want to put him outside on the edge if he has a good matchup here and there uh maybe play 25 30 of the snaps on the edge this season i don't have a problem with that but playing over 90 percent on the edge when it's pretty clear that chris jones and it's not a knock on chris jones it's just it's just what his skill set is he just doesn't have the lateral quickness to play on the edge he can't whenever uh, you know teams are running have a run play outside the tackle, it's, it's clear that Chris Jones can't keep up with the running back whenever he bounces it outside. Um, I mean, it's just little things like that that I don't think defensive end is the best role for Chris Jones. And hopefully whenever they move him back inside, it's also going to help with guys like Derek Naughty and Jaron Reed as well. It'll be interesting to see you know how they mix up that interior defensive line moving forward. Um, But I think I would have to think personally that the threat of having Chris Jones next to Jaron Reed is going to give Jaron Reed a little boost and take a little bit of pressure off of him with the with what opposing O-lines are giving him.
1: Frank Clark has been back. It looks like he's going to continue to play down the stretch, hopefully healthy. But we can't sit here and pretend as that Frank Clark has been anything h- close to what we've hoped him to be to this point. Outside of that three-game stretch in the 2019 playoff run, Frank Clark has been a disappointment. Now, it's more than likely going to be the last season Frank Clark is as a Chief. What are your expectations moving forward with Frank Clark? Do you expect him to finally turn it back on and be that guy that we expected him to be when the Chiefs traded for him two seasons ago?
4: Probably not. I mean, at this point, I think Frank is what he is. And, I, you know, I, I, it's unfortunate the way that his his career in Kansas City is gone because he got here and, you know, he did show a little bit of what he showed in Seattle. Um, and then he popped up with, with some injury issues. And then the gastrointestinal stuff hit where he missed multiple games, missed weeks of practice with, um, with these stomach issues. And you clearly saw his weight fluctuate. Um, I was told that he was down to 250 to 245 to 250 at one point um, and then worked his way all the way back up to I think 280 or 285 for this season and you can definitely tell that he's gained a significant amount of weight if you go back and look at some pictures Um, and I think that that had a huge impact on how he played here Um, I mean with that being said you know you watch the games and it doesn't look like he's giving his best effort and I I don't want to sit here and say that you know he's just not out he's out there just not trying. But, you know, there is something going on and it's pretty obvious that, you know, whether it's injuries or whatever it is, um, it just hasn't worked out for Frank here in Kansas City. And I, I do believe that it'll be his last year. I, I can't imagine them, you know, keeping that cap hit next year, which I believe is the seventh highest of any player in the league, which, in my opinion, is, is just insane. The highest non-quarterback in the league. They, they can't carry that contract. And I'd be I'd be pretty shocked if they hang hung on to him beyond this season.
1: Through five weeks of this season, the Chiefs' defense has been arguably the worst defense we have maybe have ever seen. They were giving up over three points per possession to their opposing offense. They haven't given up less than 29 points all season in a game. And they were giving up 7.6 yards per play. And then you saw them make some differences in that game as we talked about where there's some adjustments were made. You saw them play better as a collective. I don't think this defense is going to be as bad as they looked, but I don't think they're ever going to be as good as we thought they were going to be out the gate. Grant, where do you see this defense ending up this season? Is it going to be a defense good enough to help the Chiefs make a deep push in the playoffs, or do you think that they just are what they are and we just have to accept that for this season?
4: I mean, you guys have seen me. I've been pretty critical of the defense. Uh, That's no secret. Um, I think a lot of it comes, everybody, there's this belief that it's the talent that we have on the field, but we saw almost this identical football team last year be a top 20, top 18 defense in the league, Um, especially, you know, they improved substantially against the pass. Um, The red zone defense was the biggest issue. And apparently that's what they, you know, their main focus was going into this year was to fix the red zone defense. And we haven't really seen that happen, but we know that this defense isn't the worst defense in the history of football because we saw almost this identical team, you know, put up, put together a top 18 season. Um, and so I don't think they're the 32nd ranked. I don't think they're the 31st ranked. You know, they've dealt with some injuries. They'll get Chris Jones back. They'll get Tavares Ward back. You know, say what you want about Tavares Ward, but he's, he's our best corner, at least our best outside corner. I think Snead is best suited in the slot, but that's kind of beside the point. You know we're getting some guys back from injury, um, and hopefully they start to gel and, and figure this thing out. If they continue playing at the at what they're playing at now, or the what they played at the first six weeks, I don't think that this is a team that could win the Super Bowl. However, I think that if they can find themselves, you know, outside of the bottom six to eight defenses in the league, and find themselves in that twenty to twenty-five range, I think they'll be perfectly fine and. That'll basically be what it was last year and the year before. So I'm comfortable with it. I think that they're going to improve. I think we've already seen small signs that they are improving. Um, And moving forward, you know, we still have the trade deadline. I wouldn't rule out Brett Beach swinging for the fences there. Maybe a defensive end um, linebacker, DB. I'm not sure what he would target. My guess would be defensive end. Uh, We'll have to see there, but. If he does target someone, I think it's going to be someone that can make an immediate impact on this defense and potentially start for us beyond this season
1: my uh, co-host Eddie here was talking about, he asked, he asked a question about why a lot of Chiefs fans go at Tyron Matthew a lot, and I I have the stance, I have the take that when you're a vocal leader, a passionate leader, you're going to get a lot of praise and criticism. Guys like Alex Smith, who was a quiet leader, guys like Eric Berry, who don't really ruffle feathers, you're not going to get a lot of open criticism from those guys, at least on social media, but when guys like Tyron Matthew are doing what they're doing on social media, and they're doing things like they, they do on the sidelines, you're going to see a lot of people having a strong opinion on guys like Tyron Matthew. Now, I know you've been a very big defender of Tyron. I know you saw the tweet about uh, how he's not going anywhere when a guy on Twitter was talking about, you know, you need to get out of KC. He's sitting here saying, you're going to have to get me out of here. You're going to have to bring the Navy. You're going to bring all these military branches out to get me out of here. To me, that was a really good sign because I know there's been a lot of speculation about what Tyron Matthews' future in Kansas City is going to be. Now, that doesn't really mean anything in the big picture, but to see his mindset, to know that his mindset is that he is here, he has staked his flag in the ground of Kansas City, that he wants to be the landlord for years to come, I felt that was a good sign. What are your over Overall takeaways with the current status of Tyron Matthew with the Chiefs.
4: So like I said, whenever we started out here, Tyron Matthew's been playing a different role this season, at least up until last week, than he's been playing all year long. He's been playing way more free safety and they haven't really utilized that that versatility that we've come to know with Tyron Matthew. Um, I think it has to do with the scheme and has to do with the, the coaching decisions that have been made thus far in the season, and I think Juan Thornhill being back is going to allow Tyron Matthew to play that role that, you know, we've come to know him playing here in Kansas city. Um, And that's basically a role where you can stick him anywhere in the defense and he's going to go out and make plays. With that being said, I think, I personally think Tyron Matthew could be better than what he's been this year. We've seen him be better than what he's been this year, but in the same breath, I think it has a lot to do with the decisions that have been made on the defensive side of the football. And they haven't really put their guys in the best position to succeed um and kind of speaking beyond this season I would personally love to see Tyre Matthew re you know he is 29 years old and I think you you've got to be cautious of, of what you do with him um however I think that a, a three-year deal something like that you know in the close to the range of like 16 to 18 million somewhere where Jamal Adam was. I don't think that Tyron Matthews is going to end up being the highest paid safety in the league. I, I can't imagine him, you know, asking for that at, at his age um, and given his injury history and whatnot. Um, but I do think he deserves to be right up there at the top of the highest paid safeties in the league. And hopefully it's here in Kansas city. Um, if not, I wish him all the best, but um, you know, I, I would love to see him stay. And I think he can help build this defense like he he uh, made mention of in that tweet that you referenced
1: when it comes to the offensive side of things i don't think even though the offensive line has gotten plenty of attention in the off season and during this season i don't think they've gotten enough praise i actually think the offensive line has been spectacular especially from the younger guys and when we talk about brett veach's legacy to this point of his career as the chiefs gm we talk about his draft picks and how questionable they've been for the first few seasons. He hasn't gotten a lot of stars and studs in the, in the in his draft picks, but we do see him go and get these late flyers that end up blossoming to be something that's been pretty special to this point. We talk about Legere Sneed. Mike Dan has really become a man of his own. We talked about some of these guys that have been shocks, been guys that shocked us, but Trey Smith has been absolutely fantastic, one of the best guards in football to this point. Creed Humphrey may be the best center in football already. So I think this current draft class that, that Brett Veach has got for the Chiefs has been far and away his best draft class to date. Does this draft class give you confidence that Brett Veach is going to start building this team better through the draft? Because we know that that's what's going to have to happen over these next couple seasons because they're not going to be able to resign everybody. They're going to have to really start getting guys younger and cheaper in the draft. Do you have confidence, especially after this recent draft class?
4: I do. I mean, I, I trust him. And I think that they're going to make everything work. And I kind of equate it back to how the Patriots drafted, you know, whenever they were, you know, winning every year. And they were in that 30 to 32 range, you know, picking every season. They never really came away with studs early in the draft. If you remember, you know, they always had those round four, round three, round five guys that came out and were great contributors that they ultimately let walk. You know, for example, a guy like Trey Flowers that signed with Detroit at, you know 17 18 million a year you know that's a guy that they drafted um i don't i don't remember i don't recall it being very high maybe third round um and the dude turned out great and then they let him walk and i think that's kind of where we're at as a franchise right now we know that brett beach isn't going to be picking in the top 18 or 15 in the draft you know where it's easier to find those you know those studs and those easy options but Whenever you're picking at 30, 32, you know those are spots where you have to take risks, and you've got to do things. You've got to swing for the fences, and you know take those boomer bust guys. In my opinion, especially now that they have that fifth year option, and you can do things like that. With that being said, you know Brett's drafts in the middle in the middle of the draft. You know 2018 was not good. Obviously, that was the Breland Speaks year. Dorian O'Daniel, Armani Watts. Derek Naughty turned out great. I think he started a ton of football games for us, and he's been a solid nose tackle for us. But outside of that, in the 2018 draft was pretty terrible. Um, and then you look at 2019 and 2020, you know, that's Clyde, McColl, Juan Thornhill. I think that those two drafts are much better than people giving credit for. I know Clyde hasn't exactly lived up to expectations, and, and McColl isn't, probably isn't what we'd like him to be. Um, but I personally think this is McColl's best season. I think we've seen glimpses of what Juan Thornhill can be. I mean, his first season in the league, you know, we thought that he was a borderline Pro Bowl slash All-Pro player, and we thought that he was going to develop into that, and then he, he tore up his knee, which was unfortunate. But those are things that you can't predict. I mean, if, if Juan Thornhill doesn't tear up his knee and, you know, Clyde doesn't get hurt hurt his hip his rookie year, you know, what are we looking at right now? I mean, those guys could be much better. And whenever you're drafting guys, those are just things that you those are just things that you can't predict. Um, but then there's bad picks like, you know, Breeland Speaks or whatever. But, you know, I think overall Brett Beach gets way too much flack for his drafts. I, I I don't think that people are giving him a fair shake there. And they're sitting here comparing him to John Dorsey, who drafted in the top 15 and drafted in the top 20, you know, year after year. Um, it's much easier to draft and draft, draft successfully whenever you have picks that high in the draft.
1: That's actually a very fair point. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you points on that one, Grant, because I didn't I never really looked at it like that. But now that you bring that up, that's actually a very fair thing to say. A very fair compare uh, comparison when we're comparing the two. Just a couple more questions for you, and we're gonna get get you out of here. We really do appreciate your time for being here with us, man. Because I know your schedule is full, but no, I gotta get these questions out, man. I got I gotta know because the Chiefs are now going against the Titans, which are, I think are one of the better matchups, if not the best matchup negatively for the chiefs on the defensive side because we know that Derek, i like to call him Derek john henry because this dude is just a specimen he's a unit he's not human i think we've all clarified that and agreed on that to this point point. and he has done some damage against the chiefs in the past but we did see a couple seasons ago this chiefs defense did did tighten up on him they allowed i think 69 71 yards on the on the ground against derrick henry right. i'm not expecting that in this matchup just to clarify that but I think the Chiefs' defense is going to be as focused as they have ever been this season against a, a certain individual opponent. And when it comes to the Chiefs' offensive thing, offensive side of things... I know you tweeted out uh, this week about Darrell Williams and how he did play well against Washington, but he also only averaged three yards a carry. Now, I would like to see the Chiefs utilize him a little bit in the passing game this week because we know that their secondary in Tennessee is very banged up, and they're going to really struggle with tackling. They're going to have a lot of problems with big physical guys on the Chiefs side of things. I would like to see them use Daryl in that regard, and also when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, It's so funny, Grant, because I know you feel this way too. I've seen you tweet about this, about this whole, you know, the league has figured him out and he's regressing and maybe he's not as great as we thought he was and all these narratives that are just spiraling out of control from the national media to even some local media in Kansas City. It's funny because if a pace for 5,355 passing yards, 527 rushing yards and 54 total touchdowns is considered the league having Patrick Mahomes figured out, then the League hasn't has figured out that they can't figure out Patrick Mahomes. What are your thoughts on those narratives as a whole?
4: Uh, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, five or six of his interceptions can be chalked up to you know stupid stupid accidents like the balls being tipped. You know Marcus Kemp. Um, you know Tyree Hill twice. The one by the tip defensive end. Um, you know the only real. Stupid interceptions that Mahomes has thrown this year was the one against Tennessee where he threw it and he was falling down. He just threw it up in the air. In my opinion, that's the only real, the only true bad decision that he's made. You know, the one to uh, Travis Kelsey. You know, it was third down, and you know, it was basically it was the same thing as a punt essentially. And Mahomes knew that. So, I mean, if you're gonna sit here and say, "Oh, Mahomes is regressing because he's got eight interceptions," you know, that's that's looking at football with no context and. In, in my opinion, I mean that's that's just what fans of other teams are going to do. People that aren't actually watching the Chiefs are going to do. But if you watch Patrick Mahomes and you watch this team, you know that that's just not the case. And the fact of the matter is is those things are going to get cleaned up, and Mahomes is going to go right back to you know throwing one interception every four or five games. Um, whenever you know Tyree Kill gets new gloves or whatever he needs to do. Um, speaking of. Tyree killed those uh those gloves i think as you probably know is the company that he owns um it's Uh, not a glowing endorsement of of his company which is pretty unfortunate but anyway um yeah once all that stuff gets cleaned up you know the fans are fans of other teams and the media and analysts and they'll all come back around and be like oh shit you know patrick (laughs) mahomes is back and he's gonna throw for 400 yards and five tds on your team and there's nothing really you can do about it um and and to this point i mean he has been doing that it's just mixed in with a couple you know bad mistakes not even really by his own doing so
1: yeah and Patrick's currently on pace to have a better season this season than he did in 2018. And I think we all could agree with him, it's him pressing because of ironically enough, the two seasons where he's had his most interceptions were the two seasons he had by far his worst defenses. So right. there is math that is that is adding up to all that. Now, one final question with this one. Chiefs and Titans. It's uh, currently Chiefs are four and a half-point favorites on the road, and the over-under is sitting at 57.5, which I would hammer the over in this one, because I think both offenses. As can and will score. It will in this one, Grant. How do you see this game playing out? I know you said that you think Patrick Mahomes is going to have four uh, four, four touchdowns in the first half. I think that's very possible. I think Patrick Mahomes can very well throw six touchdowns in this game. I compared it to the week two uh, of the two thousand and eighteen season against the Pittsburgh Steelers when he threw three hundred twenty six yards and six touchdowns, which to this date might be his best game of his career. I think that's the type of game we're looking at from Patrick Mahomes in this one. What are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I agree. Um, The Titans are pretty banged up, um, especially in the defensive backfield. I think their best cornerback that's going to be available this week is Janoris Jenkins. Um, And outside of that, I think they've got practice squad guys opposite him. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Tyree Hill could have an absolutely huge game. I'd like to see them get Josh Gordon involved as well. Um, But I don't think that Derrick Henry is going to have this spectacular game that everyone expects, um, simply because I know – A.J. Brown and um, Julio Jones are a little bit banged up. Um, Julio Jones practice all week, I believe, and then was uh, limited on Friday. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, how much they actually utilize Julio Jones. Uh, I think Derek Henry is going to, of course, he's going to go out there and he's going to get his yards like he always does. But I think we're going to see something closer to that 69 or 71-yard game that you mentioned that we saw I think it was either in the playoffs last year or the year before, but I think we're going to see something closer to that game uh, than we do these ones where he ran for one seventy or one sixty on us, you know, like we've seen in years past. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with the linebacker group, Uh, as you as you know, Anthony Hitchens is out, so Ben Neiman's going to have the green dot um, at the Mike linebacker position, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Bolton and Willie Gay play given that Willie Gay is still kind of returning from that toe injury um, and has been playing limited snaps. Hopefully they've been saving him for this week and kind of working him up to, you know, the Derrick Henry game. Um, But I think it's going to be a huge game for the future of what we can expect with Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Um, They're going to have to come out and show that, you know, they were both worth those second-round picks that Brett Beach invested in them – you know going into this game and then we'll we'll see what what Derrick Henry
1: comes away with that is the owner that is the president of one Arrowhead Live Grant Morse guys I'm telling you right now if you ain't following these guys already yeah I'm wondering do you have social media because these dudes they they provide great content and I'm not just saying that cuz Grant's on the show with me right now I say this all the time I one of my favorite follows I can't believe it took me so long to follow him but when everyone's retweeting his stuff I don't even feel like I got to follow the guy. I just, I'm already following him. So, Grant, we do really appreciate your time. We appreciate you being here with us. I hope this isn't the last time. I hope that, uh, you know, you had fun with us here with the Spoken Podcast. And whenever you want to join us, bro, you're always welcome to be here with us, man. Awesome.
4: I appreciate it, Lance. Thank you, guys.
1: Absolutely, brother. That was our guy Grant Morris of Arrowhead Live. Give him a follow on Facebook, Twitter. I don't know if they have so uh, uh, Instagram or not, but I do know that they're on Twitter and they're absolutely crushing it over there, man. I'm telling you, they are one of the best follows out there. If you're a Chiefs fan, somebody that wants to not only get involved with Chiefs content when it comes to what's on the field, but also they do a lot of giveaways. They're very charitable. They do a lot of stuff with the local artists. A lot of Chiefs. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans are. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like our Corey Jones, like hmm. he's obviously one of the one of the guys. Like one of the milestone or the 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 Mount Rushmore guys. So, of Chiefs artists. Jump. There's a ton of them, and Arrowhead Live always seems to have those guys. On, the show, or on their shows or give, doing giveaways. So give them a follow. If you're on Twitter, at Arrowhead Live. If you're on Facebook, Arrowhead Live. They're going to be sharing their content on our uh, platforms as well, which I'm really excited about. It's all about cross promotion, man. All of us can eat out here, and we just really appreciate our guy, Grant Morse, enjoying a meal with us, if you will, here at the Spoken uh, Podcast. Now, I, I do want to get to the Eddie Hour, but I do want to say something else about this, um, uh, something that, that uh, Grant mentioned when it came to uh, Tyron Matthew, because of the fact that I think it's very important uh, at this current time when it comes to Tyron Matthew and his and his future. I actually posed a question on our Spoken uh, uh, Twitter page if you follow us at the Spoken Pod. I asked a question about when it comes to twenty two, the year 2022 and beyond, who has the greatest chance? And I don't think Eddie was going to have this question, but who has the better chance of being on this Chiefs roster after the 2022 season? I put uh, Orlando Brown Jr., Tyron Matthew, and Tyreek Hill. And I think it's a very interesting question because of the fact that Tyron, Tyron, or Tyreek Hill's contract is up after the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Now, we can sit here and talk about extensions, but we also have the Orlando Brown extension that we all assume is inevitable. I, did, I do believe the Chiefs are going to franchise tag Orlando Brown after this season yeah. because he has been really good this season. I don't know if he's been elite. He needs to, he needs to show me some more, though. But he's been really, really good. Yeah. And I do think that at 25 years old and what the Chiefs gave up to get him, mm-hmm. they're probably going to sign him to a long-term deal. But we all want to see Tyron Matthew be here for at least the next three seasons. And we all know that there ain't no way in hell the Chiefs can let Tyree Tyre Hill walk so at this place guys what real quick before we get to the Eddie hour just give me some real quick thoughts if you really had to choose between those three guys which one are you going with so I, between, I think this is
3: an easy answer but go between ahead Tyron Orlando and who and Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill Orlando Brown Jr and Tyron Matt Tyreek is number one I mean there's there's not a this they're building the maybe the greatest duo between a wide receiver and a quarterback of all time I mean we're talking legendary stuff here this is not something and Tyreek has slowed down in in no way Right. And, and he's, he's the guy that's fought through injuries and, and, and made his case for, you know, being a top tier receiver in this league. And he's only gotten better year in, year out. The dude continues to evolve and become a better player. And just I'm not going to get rid of that connection that him and Pat have. I'm not going to make Pat's job harder. Right. Which obviously if Orlando goes, that obviously makes Pat's job harder, too. But if we have, you know, we can always draft another left tackle uh, if need be. And Orlando's been good. I don't think he's been that great. I I think he's been really good, but he hasn't looked like a great left tackle. I'm going to be honest. His numbers are obviously fine, but it's not like he's been like otherworldly top tier left tackle in this league so far. He's been good. But Tyreek Hill is a once in a lifetime type of talent offensively. I think he's right up there with, outside of quarterbacks, the best offensive player in this league. He's right up there with all the best women, you know, the Christian McCaffreys and the Derrick Henrys. Outside of quarterbacks, best offensive, most effective, dangerous player. Any defensive coordinator will tell you that. Um, so for me, it would be Tyreek Hill. But as far as the Tyron Matthew thing goes, I don't know if you saw his quote on Twitter about how he's in. It. Did, you, did you see that at all? Well, I don't know which quote you're talking about. Uh, so basically, I, I got on Twitter. It was I think it was yesterday he tweeted that he said I ain't going nowhere. Yeah, helping... that's what that's what was talking about with Grant. Yeah, about yeah, yeah, okay, it. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I was yep. kind of tone out a little bit reading some other things while you guys were discussing sure, that. But sure. yeah, that that quote alone, I I, I take Tyron out of his word, man. I think he's like one of those hard on his sleeve, open book type of guys. So when even he, when he's saying shit like that. To me, I take that I take that to heart.
1: But I think I, we all would agree that it isn't Tyron's side that's going to make this contract yeah. work. It's going mean, to be the But
3: I feel like if the players all in. Mm-hmm. That that honestly helps the team out because the team knows the players all in. If they know the play, if it was the other way around, mm-hmm. you know, and the team really wanted him, but the player was indecisive, that's when I have more cause of concern sure. for me. But if I know the player's on, he'll do a, kind of what it takes to to be here and to, to find a way to work around, the, you know, to, to take the shortcuts needed to, to for him to continue to be here and build this dynasty that we want to build here. Yeah. So, for me, I'm not worried about Tyron going anywhere. I don't think Tyron wants to go anywhere and try to f- figure out something new on a new team. You know, I think he knows what's here. I think he knows what's here is special. So, I think Tyron's safe. So,
2: Tyreek is your pick, For Tyreek,
1: between those three, it's Tyreek for me. Okay, Eddie, who do you got for the three?
2: Oh, man. For me, uh, I got to look at age, man. Uh, I'm sorry, but... Uh, if it was between those three and we can only afford one of them uh i, I got to look at age for tyron matthews he he's 29 uh how much more can he give you at an elite level uh you got tyreek hill at 26 who is, is still reaching his prime yeah he's he's like, reaching his prime yeah. orlando brown still some work to do i think like what trevor said so i think in my opinion i think Ty- tyreek will be that guy to that we extend uh for 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 what three, three, four years, yep. whatever, whatever the contract is, uh, so yeah, that would be my pick, Tyreek, Tyreek. Yes. Okay,
1: now look, look like this. We, I, my, my rule, and when it comes to building a team, is always the the three most important positions on a field. I know
3: you're going with yours. My
1: three most important positions <laughs> on the field. Number one is quarterback. Mm. Number two is the guy that protects his blind side which is more than likely based on right right-handed throwers. It's gonna be the left tackle, mm. and then edge rush. Well, Tyron Matthews on the edge rush, and Tyron Matthew is 29 years old. So if I had to choose between the three, he automatically is out of it, not because I don't love him, and I don't think yeah. he's great for this team, but just based on those factors alone, I have to most push to push yeah, uh, mm-hmm. him away. Now, when it comes to Orlando Brown Jr., I do agree with you, Trevor. I do need to see a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I always said when this offseason happened, and we knew Eric Fisher wasn't returning, that it all starts at Eric Fisher's level and up. Mm-hmm. They cannot downgrade. And when yeah. they have the Trent Williams rumors, oh, that's a clear upgrade. You, you go and get Trent Williams. And then we heard about Orlando Brown Jr. Oh, his 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 floor is Eric Fisher. And so far this season, he's yeah. looked like Eric Fisher. Yeah, yeah. I think he's been a very like, top 10 left tackle. Not a top 5, but like a top 10. Mm. Very solid, very reliable. He's done a very good job. But I agree with you, Trevor. I'd like to see a little bit more. Mm. Surprisingly enough... I'm taking him off the list as well because I'm with Trevor on okay. this one. So and I'm I with you on this going, one, I Eddie. Going no, no, going I think about it. And, and I'm actually <laughs> going against, I'm going against my own methodology yeah. here when it comes to how I build my team. Yeah. But that's because Tyreek is that special. That's like taking when Marvin Harrison
3: I- away from from Peyton Manning or right. something. You
1: know about when we talked yeah. about, remember when BJ Kiss was on the show months ago, I always love to go back to that conversation because it was so rich in what he said. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes to, I was talking about Travis Kelsey and Tyron Matthew and their extensions. And how BJ, BJ talked about how all the guys in the Chiefs organization that he knew and talked to about these things was, the Chiefs do not like giving guys that are 28 and older extensions. Yeah, but there are exceptions, yeah. there are exceptions to the rule. And wouldn't you know it, after the 2022 season, guess how old Tyree Kill's gonna be? 28 years old. Do you guys agree that he's probably exception to the rule absolutely absolutely because even if tyreek Tyre misses an entire step loses an entire step he's still one of the five fastest dudes in the league and when you have that type of speed and his durability Mixed with Patrick Mahomes entering his prime? Because at that point, Patrick Mahomes will be 27, 28 years old himself. You're talking about two dudes lining up perfectly, almost perfectly in age. Mm -hmm. Tyreek Hill is about, I think, six, eight months older than Patrick Mahomes. You put those guys' primes together, you cannot allow that to be disbanded. You can't allow it. Even if if Orlando Brown was an elite left tackle, if I had to choose between the two, as crazy as it sounds, I'm still picking Tyreek Hill just in this position. This certain instance, because of how special he is, not just as an individual, but when it comes to him and Patrick Mahomes' relationship Mm -hmm. and the way that they can play together. If, If Travis Kelsey was younger, I would feel a little more comfortable moving off Tyreek Hill, but because Travis Kelsey is 32 years old now, you know that there has to be at least one guy in the receiving aspect that has to be reliable down the road. I think Travis Kelsey's got another three or four really good seasons left. I think he'll be one of those guys that plays into his mid-30s like Jason Witten and Tony Gonzalez did, even Antonio Gates. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of those guys. But you can't just bet on that and say, ah, Tyreek can go get his money elsewhere. We still got thirty-four-year-old Travis Kelsey. No, you can't do that. You can't do can that. That's not pos- how this works.
3: A possession receiver towards yeah. the end of his career too. But yeah, Tyreek kills more than just speed, though, man. Like he's he's that's why his best comp is Antonio Brown. He's yeah. more than speed, and he's a guy that came in and, and grew as an individual, grew as a player, per, personal life and and you know NFL life. And so as a player, the guy has got the speed and the ball tracking abilities. Yeah, he's had some 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 bad plays recently, which is very uncommon for him, but. The guy is the full package you want in a receiver. Outside of height, he's got everything yep. you need, and I'm not taking that away
1: from Pat. It is time for the Eddie Hour. Eddie, I'm sure you have some very thought-provoking bet, questions I that I cannot wait to get to. Let's see if you can get me triggered, guys, because it usually works. Eddie, what is in the Eddie Hour this ah, week? Man,
2: let's go to MLB real quick. Um, so Astros are making it to a World Series not long after they were caught oh. cheating to win it. Uh, many people are questioning the punishment that the MLB gave them of a... Uh, when when the whole cheating scandal came came about, I want to get your reactions and your thoughts on that. What punishment? This is this is the stance that a lot of baseball play, baseball fans and baseball players
1: hold. Yeah. They didn't really get any punishment. Yes, th- their manager lost his job, and yes, they lost draft picks, and yes, their you know upper management lost their jobs. Did that really affect the players on the field? No, because all those guys didn't get suspended one game. Jose Altuve missed zero games based off this, even though he has been confirmed to be wearing a Mm wiretap. This dude was a literal informant on the field, letting people know what he's got going on. He gets a little buzz. Oh, it's a curveball. Fuck it. I ain't swinging at it. And they get no suspensions. We get guys that take an illegal substance unknowingly losing 50 to 80 games. But these dudes have been caught cheating in the most unashamed way ever. The most shameful way, I should say, the most shameful way ever. And they're sitting here playing their games free. No problems, no, no questions asked. The only thing they've really had to deal with was fan bases booing them, and they didn't even have to deal with that last year, because there was no fans of the games. It's, it's unbelievable that we're sitting here talking about a team. You already got me fucking triggered. Way to go, Eddie. <laughs> we're already sitting here talking about it. We're, we're, we're sitting here talking about a team that did not suffer any true punishment. And it all started with the guy that wasn't even on the team anymore that stitched on him. Yeah it's crazy are they a great team yes they're one of the greatest teams in the last 20 years yeah. they've been to what three of the last four alcs's they're an unbelievable team but they suffered no real punishment man it's crazy i I don't get it
3: i don't yeah, get it I mean, we live in a world where the ncaa can take can retroactively take away heisman trophies from players because of a little bit of compensation but, <laughs> but we live in a world where also the mlb can literally have internal feds out there you know, reporting and completely blatantly cheating the game and winning (laughs) titles, and we're not taking away titles from teams? Fuck that, man. This is why I I can't get with a lot of the MLB shit. We're stuck in in a time warp where they don't want to be with the times, and it's just it's frustrating, man, as a sports fan in general, to see slaps in the wrist for absolutely atrocious detriments to the game and, and the the purity baseball wants to be the pure sport right the purity like they're completely it's just disgusting as a sports fan and it, it that completely turned me off I was never a big baseball guy I respect the sport I love the the magic that it is and going to baseball games is probably one of the best experiences you can you can in, in enjoy as a person but sitting there and, and seeing that man and' there's li- literally not even a slap on the wrist like it just they just moved on and they just wanted to brush out of the rug real quick and now they here here they are again. You know, enjoying the the the, you know the experience of making another trip and having another chance to win it—it's just frustrating. Um, And honestly, it kind of similar vibes to the Patriots shit that we went through for years. You know, the different things that they they, that they did there too. And uh, no true real punishment, just slaps on the wrist. But um, yeah, man, I don't I don't really have much else to say to add to what you said already. But it's it's just um, it's sickening be honest,
2: God damn, that was only first question. Yeah, the hot, fuck? hot out Hot. <laughs> All right, a uh, little bit of NBA. Uh, so Chris Paul is the first player to reach twenty thousand points and ten thousand assists. Thoughts
1: it's no shock to me that a guy like him has been able to do this for this long I mean even though he's an undersized player even though that we know that he's been a guy that has dealt with his share of injuries and has come up short in the playoffs one thing we can never take away from Chris Paul is his effectiveness on and off the court we know how much of a leader this guy is on and off the court how marketable he's been on and off the court Uh, it doesn't shock me because he's one of the more complete point guards we've ever seen I've always said and it's been five six years now that I've felt this way and now I know this is the truth he's one of the five best point guards we've ever seen without a doubt. I hate this notion that we have when it comes to individual success and how we align it with team success. I think we all would agree that had Chris Paul played with Kobe and Shaq or just with Shaq or Kobe, he probably has a couple rings. It all comes down to circumstances, and that's why i have love to see more of a player mobility in the NBA, where guys are able to dictate how their careers go, or at least give themselves the best chance mm-hmm. to dictate how their careers go, especially when team success is brought into the equation as far as what a great player is. It's insane that we're sitting here talking about that. Chris Paul is by far one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen. i take him over John Stockton. Isaiah Thomas and him, it's very debate. It's very debatable, but just based on the fact that Chris Paul, to me, has faced better talent, mm-hmm. especially at guards, and has been able to lock down, lock down dudes and average eight. 18, 19, plus 10 assists a game, I I probably would take Chris Paul because I think as a defender, he's very underrated. Mm -hmm. As as small as he is, he's what, 6 foot tall, 170, 180 pounds, not even a very big dude at all. Mm -hmm. But to be able to play this long into his career, 36 years old now, and still one of the better point guards in the league, does it really shock you that he's able to get to these historic feats? Because it doesn't shock me at all.
3: Yeah, Chris Paul's not even close, has faced far more superior perimeter players in in the, the age that he's played in. Um, Isaiah Thomas, as great as he was, did not have to deal with the shooters that Chris Paul had. He didn't have to deal with the Steph Currys and the Ray Allens and all these guys. There wasn't shooters like that back in the day. There was good t- – there was the, you know, the the Larry Birds and stuff like that. When those guys were more allies And they didn't shoot at the volume that a lot of today's players in oh, the last couple man. decades have shot at volume-wise. And he's got guys pulling up from the logo nowadays. This is, it's bullshit, to be honest. It's one of the most frustrating things as a perimeter defender. There's nothing you can really do when Dame and Steph are pulling from the logo. Um but, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul may be the greatest asset to any team ever. Like, as far as, like, what he brings. he Every team, every single team he goes to, he makes complete. Look what he did as soon as the Sun signed him. They're they're uh, automatic favorite contender, and they went to the finals. Obviously, they lost. But the, everywhere he goes, there's success. Even the, in the Clippers days. Like, he, I don't think he's the true alpha of any team he goes to. He needs that alpha scorer. Um, but he was, he was supposed to be the alpha of that Clippers team. But there were some bad coaching blunders that went on there. Doc Rivers blew it uh I mean, he, we've he, heard that about he, every single got year a, the he's playoffs. Got a resume of doing that but i mean look at chris paul resume speaks for itself granted he doesn't have a ring on his finger yet um but the guy is incredible man everywhere he goes he's he's the true leader of those teams the guy knows how to facilitate the guy knows how to score and need him to score he does everything He is an undersized guy that's the only knock on him just because he there's certain guys he just gets overpowered by and he can't do much about that but as far as facilitating scoring leadership everything he He's the full package, man, and I'm glad he's got that that
2: on his resume as well. All right, cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Ben Simmons situation?
1: It's pretty simple, it, it, and and I know there's new chapters to all this that I, I do want to approach very tentatively. Um, ben Simmons, after the whole Doc Rivers con- con- conversation with the media, after they lost in frustrating fashion to the Hawks, who they should have – taking care of business against as the number one seed in the east at last season Mm -hmm. um after those after those statements were made by doc rovers about how he wasn't sure if they could win with ben simmons i think everything just went down down the shitter i think that was the end of the relationship especially when joel and uh didn't pick him up again for the media as well when it came to asking about their confidence in ben simmons but here's the thing this is all self-inflicted ben simmons is the reason why this is happening It wasn't because of Doc Rivers and what he said. It wasn't because of Joel Embiid and what they said. They only spoke the truth. And what's funny is we sit here and criticize people and and athletes, coaches, for being honest. But that's exactly what we ask for. We want them to be honest. And the moment they are, we're like, oh, man, they didn't have his back. No, they're just sick of the shit. That's what they're sick of. They're sick of him having a wide-open bucket with 6'1 Trey Young on him, and he passes it off, and it ends up becoming a turnover. And loses them the game. When Joel Embiid's out there with not one, not two, but three different injuries. Averaging 30-12 and in that series. He needed a running mate and he didn't have it. And that was another wasted season for the Sixers. And it's because of Ben Simmons' inability to add to his game. He is one of the most talented individuals in the NBA today. And he refuses to add to his game. When LeBron James was Ben Simmons' age, everyone was sitting here talking about, oh, LeBron doesn't have a post game. You know what LeBron worked on? A fucking post game. And now he's one of the best post players in the NBA at his size. Because he wanted to be better. Ben Simmons doesn't want to be better. Mm -hmm. And now, I hate to be insensitive here, but I'm going to be. Sitting here conveniently talking about how he doesn't have the right mental fortitude right now. He's not in the right mental place. Man, that's pretty convenient when your team's sitting here calling you out at practice. I think it's
3: true, but yeah.
1: It might be. My point though is where has that been this whole time? Why wasn't this brought to the forefront before this to where things are now really the shit is really hitting the fan at a high volume. Now all of a sudden that becomes the conversation. If this is true, this should have been brought up before now because now it looks like an excuse and you don't want to be giving anybody any more fire to add to the flame you don't want to Especially give them filler. more yes <laughs> yeah. and jason kelsey's out here trying to oversimplify it, and i appreciate what jason kelsey was saying yeah. but I'd, that's not the end all well, well, be all i'll just play better no I no no. Like that's not the end all be all i like it my point yeah. though is if there really is mental lapses or mental problems going on with ben simmons that should have been taken care of before now yeah so this is all on ben simmons
3: yeah well, jason kelsey i think hit it on the head to be honest it's he simplified it the best way he can but it's not that simple but it's, yeah. that is from the outside looking in it is that simple just play better and the city will love you I don't, think, I don't think Ben Simmons has it. I don't think he has it mentally. I don't think he has what it takes to be a star in this league. I really don't. I think he choked. I think he choked that game away. I think Philly had that series and he's not the star they're looking for. I think he's going to be gone eventually. They need to find someone else, especially when fucking Joel Embiid's out there calling him. I don't even. Joel Embiid is Even if they don't get the trade value
1: right, right, right. they want, they got to get that out of, there. Get him out of there. They've got, they already cancer. have a good enough roster. Yeah, he needs, go. To go, he needs
3: to go play in New Orleans or somewhere. Somewhere. Like there was no expectations. Yes. He can't handle the expectations of being a
1: star. I don't know if you ever Do you will. think the Rockets got what they wanted out of that trade for James Harden? Right. No, they could have no. gotten better out of that. But they, had but they knew they had to. Yeah, this the same exact situation. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons has got so much talent.
3: I think he does. I just don't think he's he's built to be a leader for a team. I think he's built to be a good asset, maybe a good facility Obviously, he's an elite defender. The guy's maybe the best perimeter defender in the league. But as far as like big moments, we saw what happened when he needed. He's the, more of a Lonzo Ball than a Chris Paul. Oh yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> yes. even even we've seen the greats like James Harden, one of the greatest scorers in NBA. We've seen in NBA history. You know, regardless of what you feel about his game, he's, he's a volume shooter, gets his points. But I mean, the guy crumbles in big moments. Right, and it's it's similar. It, it's not for everybody, man. It's a mental it's, thing. It's tough, so I, I get it. There's, a, it's Philly is one of the toughest cities to play in. You know, the Sixers and the Eagles are huge out there, and their hockey is huge out there. They have high expectations, regardless if they've been a winning city or not mm-hmm. lately. There's the fans are brutal, and you you got to play better or get out. So I think he's gonna be gone eventually.
2: All right. So it's it's only been two games into the NBA season, and Lakers players are already getting into pushing and shoving. What do you make of this?
1: I think they're just a bunch of old men that are probably getting frustrated with each other starting the season the way they have. They're 0-2, and they got blown out at home last night. That would be frustrating. I can imagine. I'm not making excuses here. I mean, you know, they need the to be playing better. Team. I'm saying they were down yeah. 30 at yeah, one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to make excuses for this team. I have high aspirations for this team. I have high hopes. I think they're going to end up winning the title. But I, I think if we look back at every team that has been a contender throughout the season, there's always that one point where there's a lot of frustration mounting up. And let's be honest, man. Of all the teams in the NBA, this is the team, as crazy as this sounds, because they're all just newly acquired assets, they know each other better than anybody because all these dudes in the league, all this all the dudes on this team have been in the league for 6 7 10 12 15 years mm-hmm. So there's a lot of veterans that have played against each other and hang out in the offseason, really good personal friends. They know each other. So we can't act like these are a bunch of new guys hanging out. Like Dwight Howard and AD have known each other for many years. Yeah. LeBron, AD, uh, Russell Westbrook, all these guys have been friends for a very long time. And we all know, we all argue with each other. We all fight with each other because we, we know it, we get irritated with each other. Yeah. So I'm not going to read too far into this, especially when it was really nothing. It was Dwight standing up and AD standing up and then he just kind of got separated. It was really nothing to it, but because of what team it was and who it was, it became this big-ass story. I'm not buying into it. I think this team's going to be in the finals. I think they're the best team in the West. It's just a very rough October so far to this point. I'm not going to overreact to it because it is simply an overreaction. Yeah, I mean, and losing's
3: not fun, right? Is this... right. So, I mean, there's going to be, you know, if, if, whether AD said something smart or, or Dwight said something smart, my money's on Dwight, but... You know, either way, like, either way you look at it, somebody said something to somebody, somebody didn't like it, and it's brotherly love, brotherly hate. Shit, we used to throw basketball at each other's head when we played. Football. I'm going to throw like,
1: something at Trevor at the end of, right. the, end of the show. This I mean, is how name it the name of the time we played basketball you know?
3: together and we didn't fight, you know I mean? Right. So, something was uh, off. We'd be on we the same fighting. team together and we'd be fighting yeah. that time, We're so it not blows, right? Right, so, I mean, this is, I did not expect this Lakers team to hit the ground running. I really didn't um and this is I don't like I don't the, have this
1: one seat I don't like I don't, this, oh, I don't like seat. the
3: starting five rotation right now I don't like I don't like I don't like Westbrook and LeBron on the floor together I just don't I think yeah. Le, I think Westbrook should be the guy running the second crew couldn't agree more I don't like there's there's not enough shooting on that and not that, that first I mean I I'd, I'd rather Carmelo start over Russ with that starting five mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather that just having that shooting or Malik Monk something we've seen Rondo work with with LeBron in a starting squad sometimes just because Rondo's could become that facilitator but Russ wants to score and I don't think they they balance off each other very well. But as far as the scuffling stuff goes, this is going to be a team that's got growing pains. It's a whole new they'll find the rhythm. It's a revamped roster. This is a bunch of veterans that all have pride. That have, I mean, Dwight's been one of the best players in the NBA. Who at, didn't make the All seventy five? That you? was. <sighs> Unbelievable, and then they, yeah, yeah, that that list is trash to be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, it was really bad. Yeah, Kyrie Irving's not making it, but Reggie Miller, it Clay like, Thompson yeah,
1: wasn't on there. Yeah, like, dude, what are we doing? It, what are it, we it.
3: doing? I don't, I don't, I don't want to dive
1: too far into that. But what the fuck <laughs> are we doing, man? There
3: from the 20s, I believe. I don't know. I, what, yeah. <laughs>
1: Alex English and uh, uh, uh old Bucks <clears throat> player. I forget. Uh, I'm here. I am trying to make a case for. I can't even say his fucking name. That Regardless, trash. there were guys on that. L- there were not on that list. Yeah. That should have been on that list, and like Trevor said, Reggie Miller was on that was list. Paul I,
3: Pierce on that list? I didn't see if Paul Pierce was. I right bet there.
1: he was, but I haven't looked at the full scale. Okay. I just saw like notable names. Yeah. Reggie Miller is not one of the 75 best players in the NBA. Demar Derozan's a better player than Reggie Absolutely. Miller was, and I he's not one these. of the 75 yeah. greatest players of all time. So it, it's that list. The fa- I'm going to say this really quick, and then we can move on. I apologize, <laughs> but Bill Russell was in the top three of the 75 greatest players of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Russell averaged 15 points a game in his career against six two white guys. It's just these era it's, eight team um, leagues. That Bill Russell was playing against, there was no talent on the court this at is any point, unless it's on yeah, his side is why of the I court.
3: List, lists in general. I so, know, does. This is not your question, but like listen in general, like you got to define what the list is being calculated by. Like, are we talking about talent? Are we talking about impact? <laughs> yeah. Are we talking impact? Bill Russell 100%. It was Outside, of the, outside of the Reggie Miller doing the choke thing to Spike Lee, what is his notable moments? <laughs> he was a good shooter, a decent defender, but he was very much an overrated player. He I averaged love 18
1: points he's a game, two overrated. rebounds, and two assists. Yeah, he was very much an Does overrated player. Does that sound like a top 75 guy, especially when he won zero rings? And I know we talk about that, but yeah. no real playoff success throughout his entire career. Could team. really jay yeah. it up. Yeah. But he's not even one of the three greatest three-point shooters of all time now. Yeah. We're talking... Clay Thompson was a better three point shooter in my eyes than Reggie Miller. And a better defender, he is. He I'll is. just leave it there, man. I'll just leave it right fucking there, dude. <laughs> well, dude. you answered
2: my other question. So. Oh
1: fuck, my bad, <laughs> dude. There you go. So we
0: no, <laughs> can explain the process here. You <laughs> know? Yeah, yeah,
2: that's good, though. That's good. All right, two more questions. <laughs> yeah. Two more questions. I want to get your thoughts on the whole story that's come, that's about to come out, or it's gonna come, or came out about the Suns owner. Yeah, Robert
1: Sarver is in some deep shit right now. And I know we talked about this lightly last night about it, and I am sure I'm, I was assuming we were going to talk about this. The Suns have come out and essentially denied every single allegation that's come out about Robert Sauber. Yeah, they were, they were like, we, we we deny all bigotry, racism, yeah. all that stuff. It's not a part of what we do here and all that stuff. What were they supposed to say? Yeah. Were they supposed to come here and go, yes, our, our owner is an women. absolute blatant racist. Yeah. He doesn't like <laughs> black people. Like, what were they supposed to say? Of course they were going to say that, <laughs> right? Like, we all knew that was going to be their stance and their approach. Yeah. But we all know, because we've seen this before at the NBA level, when an owner gets outed like this, it never ends well. We saw the same thing happen with the Clippers owners, was it, eight years ago, in 2013, when Adam Silver did not waste any time and said, uh, God, what was that owner's name? I forget his name. Sterling? Sterling, Uh, Yes, Sterling. He's banned for life. He came out there, made an announcement. They took action. I really think that's how this is going to go with Robert Sarver. Once they know for certain what was said, what's been said, not said, what's been done, all those things... Does it shock me? No, because we do know there's a lot of racism still in sports. We just had a situation a week ago with John Gruden and the emails, which conveniently the NFL said over the 650,000 other emails, there were zero other racism ones. Bullshit. This was an inside job to get John Gruden out of his job, and that's what happened. That's my theory now based on what we know. But when it comes to Robert Sarver, I think that now he has a whole other challenge on his hands when it comes to defending himself because they've already denied it, which is half the battle when it comes to defense, just coming out openly denying it. Now you're going to have to really provide evidence that this these are just attacks on you because if they have any emails, any recorded messages, any texts, anything like that, one, just a single one of him saying anything that is even close to what we think it is, He's gone. He's done. The NBA is going to get, disallow him yeah. from being the owner of this team, and I think that's how this is going to ultimately end. Yeah, and I'm all for this movement of cleaning house, man. I did, we have no room
3: for this anymore. Like it, this isn't the '90s great. anymore, he, man. He may, he may be a great, he get be away great, a great this job. Shit. He may be great at his job. He may be a good person overall, but we can't have. We don't have room for this anymore. This has got to, and this is going to keep happening over and over again because the the, the 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 information era that we live in it continues to progress, and there's no privacy anymore with stuff like that. And I think that's a good thing. I really do think that's a good thing. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're, this is just this is what we need. We don't we can't have people with hidden agendas anymore, man. Hidden agendas got to be coming to light, and it's coming. It's becoming that way more and more. Um, people like that should be exposed, you know. And it's it's we should have regardless of how great he is at his job. If you're like that, if you're that person behind closed doors, I mean that that helps guide the decisions you make and how you really think of people. why don't we don't we don't need those kind of character flaws from the top. Character flaws like that cannot be at the top, man. And that's just trick- the trickle effect on everything else. You know, is going to affect everything. So it's just, um, yeah, this is not a surprise to be honest with you. So, I mean, I know they're coming out denying it, and they were shocked by all these, all this news. And you know, so expect you know some, uh, some, some sponsored you know Pride Month parades from the the Suns and all these things to try to make it up. It, it, it's this. It sucks, man. It sucks that this stuff kind of ha- this stuff happens behind closed doors. But it is what it is, and I'm really not surprised by it at all. Hopefully, it's not true. But all
2: right. Last question: uh, Patrick Mahomes or Derrick Henry? And I want no biases. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh,
1: I know. I know what quote you're talking about. This was a. Um, a poorly executed topic from ESPN, which I actually think wasn't a terrible idea to begin with because I think there are ways to to talk about those things as far as the right now when you can say, hey, who do you think is having a better season? Derek Henry, Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a fair conversation because Derek Henry's on an historic pace, but so is Patrick Mahomes. So we can make these arguments, right? But when you're sitting here talking about who would you rather have on your team, just that's the whole question. I mean, I feel I feel bad for Tebow because I don't believe he really meant what he said when he said he would take Derrick Henry. I'm calling his bullshit. I think these suddenly had to say it. Last I think these never. No, no, because think about it. Like Rob Ninkovich, he's mm. even admitted it that he's. There's been times he's had to say things on ESPN. He really didn't want. Now all of a sudden you're not seeing Ninkovich all of a sudden on, on TV. That's <laughs> weird, right? These guys have to play characters. But the character Tebow played yesterday was the enemy, and he got absolutely drugged for it. How and ironic! Tebow's a so sack lamb. Go watch, yeah. Go, oh, shit! Go watch that video again. Wow. At the very end, when when yeah, Tebow man. actually says the words, "I'm gonna go ahead and take Henry." At the end of it, watch his throat. I know that sounds funny. He takes in a giant ass gulp. He's like, "Fuck. I am going to get fucking drug for this. I have to pray to Jesus for the next 3 hours after this one because I am going to hell for saying that cuz I just lied on national television. There's no way in hell a quarterback would take a running back over <laughs> even though he played more like a running back than a quarterback. Would take a running back over the best quarterback in football, no matter how well Derrick Henry's playing. And Derrick Henry, I told you guys, he's not a human. He's playing out of his fucking mind and he's been doing that since 2018. Mm. There, i don't care what numbers he's putting up you take patrick Mahomes, you take aaron Rodgers, you take deshaun watson you take any of the top quarterbacks in the league over derrick henry because yeah. of the quarterback value in itself
3: yeah okay so you said no bias right all right does uh, that patrick, sound like a bias it's, to you it's patrick mahomes Shit. um so yeah I, like you said that's all that, that was gonna be my whole argument give me the top name your top five quarterbacks in this league regardless of what order Shit. top eight i'm taking all eight of those quarterbacks over derrick henry like the shelf life of running backs granted he's kind of an anomalous type of player the shelf life still for Derrick Henry is maybe another couple years at this level. Maybe this doesn't—he's—he's he's a running back. There's no, regardless, I don't care if it's Prime Barry Sanders. I'm taking the best quarterback in the league over the best running back in the league. It, that's just the whole argument. The whole argument is self-defeating. So I'm gonna go with Derrick Henry. Look at the gulp. <laughs> Y'all seeing the gulp? All the blood just fell out of his face. Again. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Derrick Henry. Gulp. And shit. Yeah, no, I, it's such a stupid. I hate that that's even They're really just they're 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 digging and reaching so deep for these segments. It's I don't even know why this is like compare him to another running back.
1: 711 you know? should like work as sponsorship for why, Tingo why Now is, like the big gold. Why is the segment
3: like, like Derek Henry, Derrick or, Henry. Or, or you know Prime Priest Holmes or Prime name your running back of the greats. Whatever you want to name him. Let that be the, the conversation. Why right. are we comparing Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> I kinda, that's that's the that's the the matchup this week, but He's it's such a He's the new stupid, standard,
1: baby. It's He's the new st- standard.
3: Yeah, but That's giving...
1: Derrick Henry too much prior. Remember when Zach Wilson was coming out of college, what would they compare him to? It's just like with, with Tyreek Hill. Whenever there's a fast like 5'10 receiver coming out, what do they, oh, this could be the next Tyreek I mean, Hill. Many, it's how, it's I the mean, new standard. How, how
3: many MVPs is Derek Henry? I mean, how many Super Bowl rings is Derrick? Shut come on. What are you doing, man? This is so stupid. This is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so is that it for the Eddie Hour? Good we hurt. appreciate the Eddie Hour as, as we do each and every week. We're actually going to slide to you guys in the Monday mailbag now because we need to understand what's going on in your world, what you guys are seeing in the world of sports because we've seen a lot, but I want to hear what you guys have. Eddie, what is in the Monday
2: mailbag this week? All right, man. We got two questions. Uh, first one comes from Shaggy Shane, of course, another show. <laughs> yeah. Brett Favre has plenty of awful highlight film himself throughout his entire NFL career and still wound up with a Super Bowl victory and plenty of awards to put him in the NFL uh, Hall of Fame in Canton. Uh with that said, do you think that makes that, do you think that makes it easier for Andy Reid to accept those baffling plays from Patrick this season since Beak Red uh, spent his first few seasons in the NFL with Brett Favre. I
1: definitely think there's a certain level of calm that comes over Andy Reid because he has experienced this before with another superstar quarterback in his past. Because we all remember about 30 years ago, Andy Reid was a uh, I think he was a white was a tight ends coach or wide receivers coach at that time with the Green Bay Packers, and he obviously was very close to Brett Brett Favre and still is to this day. I think he does see a lot of similarities when it comes to Patrick Holmes and Brett Favre, but I also think that there's a certain level of angst that we're now experiencing as Chiefs fans because we're not. Used to Patrick Holmes turning the ball over like Brett Favre did throughout the entirety of his career. Because as great as Brett Favre was, he would make so many head scratching yeah. plays. And now that we're seeing Patrick Holmes have a couple, just a couple, we're sitting here thinking that that's what's going to happen now. But I do believe there is a certain level of calm and confidence that Andy Reid has because he saw Brett Favre work through those things. And Patrick Holmes has never really had to work through those things. And I think that he knows he's going to fix that. Andy Reid's going to help fix that. And I think this is. I don't want. I don't want to sit here and say that those aren't problems. They are, and they have cost the Chiefs a lot this season. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's – I don't think at any point of Patrick Holmes' career is he going to deal with interceptions and turnovers like Brett Favre did because I think Patrick Holmes is not only just a better overall quarterback, but he's a much smarter quarterback. Brett Favre didn't even know what a cover-two defense was, was in his 11th season in the NFL. Yeah. Did not know what a cover-two defense was. Football, Dude, what he did.
3: Dude,
1: one of my aunts – that doesn't watch football knew what a cover two defense was, so I, it's very confusing that Brett Favre was as great as he was, and just because he had a cannon of an arm and was just unbelievably talented overall, natural feel for the game. But Patrick Mahomes knew what a cover two defense was when he was just playing baseball. Yep. So this is a this is a much different level. I'm not worried about it, and I don't think Andy Reid is either. The, the comparison between him and
3: Favre is probably the best comparison because I think that's the best comp to to Patrick Mahomes, even though Patrick Mahomes is the superior talent. They they do have that backyard football style, which is more of a rare style of football. There's not a lot of quarterbacks have had that style and been successful. Patrick Holmes is 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 backyard football style, but he's efficient at it. That's because a lot of, a lot of turnovers can come from that backyard style, the play breaks down type of 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 game. But Patrick does it in such an efficient way, and he's just got his arm talent is just otherworldly. It's different. The crossbody throws and no looks, all this stuff is what that's what makes Pat Pat. He's just an, he's a very unique uh, style of guy, obviously. And then and the turnover stuff is a lot of it hasn't been his fault, right? A lot of it's been you know tip passes and and, and, and other players making mistakes, uh, and then some freak plays like with the line the line of scrimmage play yep. where that defensive end got that pick. That's just that's just gonna you just gotta brush that off and live with it. We know who Pat is. We have a bigger sample size of Pat not doing these things consistently, so we're gonna get out of this. And the 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 with the Andy Reid being frustrated, I I think Andy Reid. <laughs> has every reason to be patient with Patrick Mahomes. He knows who Patrick Mahomes is. He knows what we're going to do moving forward. He knows we're going to get it right. And that started with that second half of this game last week. So I don't think Andy Reid has any worry at all or any doubt. Definitely any doubt at all.
2: All right. Uh, next question uh, comes from Taylor Paredes. Uh, reaction to the I got Taylor. Taylor. Uh, Reaction to the NBA 75 greatest players of all time. Do you think it was rated properly?
1: <laughs> you guys already know how Taylor, I feel about I this. Taylor, I hope is. you're watching and listening right now. You know how I feel now, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that if we watch the game tomorrow together. I'm just going to let you know right now, man, I think that this was a very lazy approach to ranking the all time great teams or great players. I think there was a lot of fear with this list because they didn't want to piss off some of the legends that they had to move away with, which is why they created an additional 25. I'm gonna be honest with you, I think they needed to be a little more savage with this list. I think they yeah. needed to take guys off the list and create just another 50. Revise the 50. do no, add this 25. Add, yeah, especially it's... when you're not gonna add the guys that belong on the list to begin with.
3: Yeah, why would you add another 25 when it's supposed to be the 75? Dwight Howard it's...
1: is a three-time <laughs> defensive player of the year. Right.
3: right. Almost, Beat almost LeBron MVP. James
1: in the playoffs to get to the finals. Mm-hmm was one of the best players of his generation. This dude is a surefire Hall of Famer. I know he hasn't been popular to a lot of fans because of the way things went with L.A. the first time around. And I know that he's really declined steadily over the last five to seven years. Mm -hmm. But his first ten seasons in this league were unbelievable and almost unmatched from just a defensive perspective alone. And this guy's not one of the 75 greatest players ever. And, again, we bring up Reggie Miller, who we all liked. You know, we're all 90s kids. We liked watching Reggie play. Extremely overrated, and if I if I go down that list, I'm gonna be saying fuck more times than Al Pacino in a movie. So I'm not gonna do yeah. it. I'm just gonna do myself a favor in my own mental capacity and just disagree with the list. Because after the first 26 that I saw, it was an absolute joke how they ranked. Let alone who was on the list.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a no for me. It's simple. I mean, no, the list was not put together correctly. It was, this was completely biased to the the or the lure of the NBA. There were so many guys in there that were that just. Well, that's why I have a problem with lists like how are we grading this list? Is it impact? Is it, is it the guys that paved the way because there was a lot of paved the way type players on that list and like yeah. guys from the 50s and 60s that were just like Role players in the 50s and 60s Like not even like it's just I don't know man like it, I have a problem with especially uh,
1: <sighs> Bill Russell's not one of the three greatest players no, of all time. No, we got to stop this shit one of the most successful He's again don't 15 do don't do points this. a game he played in the 50s and 60s. Dude, you and he averaged LeBron's... 15 points a game as a 6'10 center.
3: Yeah. Drop LeBron in the 50s and 60s barefoot. Dude, and he's... he was
1: Zach Randolph. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, we sit here and mythicize these guys as these titans of the past. Yeah. And they're not as good as we thought they were. Yeah. It's just the facts, man. I know. Oh, Lance, you weren't alive at that time. Okay, go tell the history teacher that. That's 36 years old. He wasn't a part of the times when Troy was taken and all this other shit happened. This Maybe is, he shouldn't yeah. teach this it, right? Go get the three, you know, 978 year old dude <laughs> to teach it, right? No, I know history because I can see it. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's, it's bullshit. It, this is what I'm saying. The, the problem with these lists is the fact they had to add another 25 is just like throw the list away. Then what are we doing? Like, what, what's the point? I'm saying. You know what I mean? So like, just break out the 100 list. Like, what the fuck? I mean, it, it makes no sense. It's Self defeating, anyways. But, yeah, like, what are we basing this list on? Impact, you know, talent. Obviously, it wasn't a talent list because there's so many guys from the last couple decades that should have been on there, you know, that are that far superior talents than any of those guys in that list. So, yeah, it's. I don't even pay attention. Just like, we got to move same, on because I'm going
1: to start getting pissed. No, no,
3: I feel the same way about this list that I do, like, the, the Madden <laughs> shit, like, the Madden ratings and all this stuff. Like, in real life, it's, yeah, it, it does it's, not it's matter. Like so, I like. I don't even think Clay Thompson should be giving it as much gas as he's giving it, or as much oxygen as he's giving it. I'd feel disrespected. If I, was I get down. it, dude. I get it. But like, just channel that and use it as fuel on your comeback. Just if you if you were snubbed, you were yeah. snubbed. It's, I mean, look at last year's All Star selections. I mean, that's how talent, deep the talent pool is now. There's like yeah. six, seven guys who were snubbed from the All Star bra- uh, selections last yeah. year that easily could have made it. That's how deep the talent is, and athletes are just far superior. In this past couple decades, in today's age, it's just it is what it is. That list is trash.
1: What's the next question, damn it? What is the next question? That's it. That's it. Okay, we got Stan Simmons. Stan Simmons on the line one. This I think this is what the fourth week in a row now. He's done a done a man. I got to yes. keep this going, dude. Better
3: not trigger me and you. To have another argument call him
1: Butter. Stan is on a roll. Here we go. This is a Stan Simmons question. We have not uh, heard this yet. None of us have, right? Nope. Okay, none of us have heard this yet. This is a message from our guy from Fresno, Cali, Stan Simmons. What we got?
0: Hey guys, what's up? Finally our Chiefs put together a dominating performance, first half notwithstanding. It was good to just get a win. You know Washington hasn't beaten the Chiefs' team since 1983? This got me to thinking and reflecting about past histories. I'm a bit of a history buff. In your lifetimes as a participant or as a sports fan, has there ever been a game that to this day still haunts you? A legitimate woulda, coulda, shoulda situation? For example, I was only an infant when the longest game was played on Christmas Day, 1971, Chiefs versus Miami. But that loss still bugs me because I think the Chiefs probably win the Super Bowl that season. John Stenner missed two field goals, chip shot field goals, and had one blocked. That loss ushered in the dark ages of Chiefs football for the next 15 years. What loss still haunts you guys, whether you're a participant or a fan? Oh.
1: Great question. Oh, so, so Eddie got me triggered and now Stan's gonna get me crying. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun roller coaster <laughs> of a show. Boys and God girls. damn it. Nah, Stan, honestly, there are so many of them that I as a Chiefs fan, dude, like I growing up an, an, anticip, anticipated heartbreak was a part of the equation when it comes to watching Chiefs football. Because we knew how it goes. Either they miss the playoffs by this much, or they lose a a frustrating playoff game whenever they actually got there. Um, just a couple of them when it comes to like my early life, and I'm kind of dating myself here, but when it came to um, the 2003 season against the Indianapolis Colts, the no-punt game, uh, Peyton Manning came in here and scored 38 points on the Chiefs. You look at that game and you think, oh, you lost to the Colts, a team that could have very well won the Super Bowl that year. They were that good. Yeah, but the Chiefs had the best offense in football that season, and... They could not capitalize on multiple opportunities the Colts gave them in that game. Not to mention, Tony Gonzalez had a horrific uh, offensive pass interference. So that would have equated into a touchdown that probably would have won the Chiefs the game at that point that was taken away. And they called it OPI on Tony, whether you agree or not that that was actually OPI or not. And then Priest-Holmes... Very uncharacteristically fumbles the ball. It was a turnover on uh, turnover in the moment, and it gave the Colts that much more life. I think the Chiefs would have drove and scored on that. You're talking about a 14-point swing in a game the Ch- Chiefs lost by seven. And again did not punt the ball Dante Hall had a kick return or yeah it was a kick return for a touchdown you felt like it was just that Chiefs time because why it's so frustrating is the fact that you're talking about a team in the Chiefs that they beat that Colts team they would have went on I believe to beat the New England Patriots because I think the Chiefs would have hosted that game as well because the Chiefs are the one seed in the AFC I think they would have beaten the Patriots and would have went on to get to the Super Bowl whether they win the Super Bowl or not the fact is, that 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 game really, really hindered the Chiefs from having a run they should have ultimately had. And just obviously, I, I think against the Colts, again, we're talking about that 2014 game against uh, Andrew Luck when the Chiefs were up 38-10, I believe at halftime, ended up losing 45-44. to You saw like Brandon Flowers, Jamal Charles, Justin yeah, Houston, decimated. just decimated with injuries in that second half. Alex Smith played really good, but had an opportunity to score at the end and throws Dwayne Bowe out of bounds. That 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 game to me was more not heartbreak, but just sheer fury. Because you're like, you're up four touchdowns mm-hmm. and you lose. There's no excuse for that. Those are the two I, I come to mind. But trust me when I say I can sit here, I can go get some Kleenex puffs real quick and, and just hash out some of my feelings about it. Luckily, 2018 changed a lot of that, 2018 on. But there are plenty of them that I can go with, man. We're going to talk about kickers. Back in the '90s, like uh, our guy Stan Simmons said, but I'm going to stop right there and let Trevor Cook. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of those. Yeah, we can pull from there, like,
3: <laughs> like you alluded to. But, but one that came to my mind immediately was the the wild card game in 2017, 2018, Alex Smith's final year, wearing the wild card game against the Titans, when Marcus Mariota threw a six yard touchdown to himself. <laughs> we were up 21 to three, and he it he threw that ball and it got bad and it went right back to me and just ran in. And in the box score sh- the stat box score showed uh Marcus Mariota pass from Marcus Mariota for six yards touchdown. The way we lost that like, and then and then the, the forward progress sack from Derek uh Derek DJ that when he when he totally annihilated yeah, Marcus Jeff, Mariota. was that Jeff Triplett?
1: the, um, forward the progress. Ref? It was Fuckin'. the most ridiculous. He retired thing. after that game too. Yeah. Is it Larry Triplett or Jeff Triplett? I forget yeah. his name. Yeah. yeah retired yeah. right after that game. We were up twenty-one yeah, to three. Really. We were up
3: twenty-one to three. Alex Smith played well in that game. We were playing well in that game, but this—all these freak things started happening. Everything just piled up against us. That one definitely haunted me because I was excited about that year. We had a really good year that year. Alex Smith was playing well. We were in the wildcard game, very confident we were going to beat Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Felt like that was a game we should have won, and we kind of looked past it. And the way it happened—the touchdown pass to himself—all that—that was just one that definitely haunted me. The way we went out, injuries is one way to lose. But the way that game happened was just, it was just, yeah, definitely. Talking about haunting, that one's definitely on the list.
2: I me. was actually at the game. Were you? Yeah, I was. Oh, shit, I'm glad I didn't pay to go to that shit. <laughs> that was 20 bucks, so. Oh, there you
1: go. <laughs> that, 20 bucks for some fucking heartbreak. Oh,
2: yeah. By the way, 20 to bucks to stand well real quick. spent, though.
3: I think Stanley needs, needs to sign up for Audible and start doing some voiceover work for reading books. I, I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Because, dude, that was like... I it was like a was dark, like, cold, like, sultry night in Colorado. I, like I was watching like, a documentary on like, Animal Planet yeah. or something. Like, dude, that's <laughs> like... Stan, you, need to do Dan, some you na- got a future,
1: narrating. bro. You yeah. need to do some narrating, bro. You're on the California side of things, too. So there's talent everywhere, man. You can find an agent. No problem. We can yeah. help you if we can. But for,
2: for me, it has to be the 2014 World Cup uh, game between Mexico and the Netherlands. Mm. That was uh, the most heartbroken... Uh, I've ever been uh, watching a soccer game. I <laughs> ain't gonna lie, I cried like a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> well, you are. It adds I, up, it, yeah. it, it, <laughs> no, <laughs> no secret there. Can't take it. Uh, we were winning, one uh, zero, and then all of a sudden, the whole game changed uh, when the refs decided to play for Netherlands. Apparently, mm. uh, they they scored the game tying uh, the goal uh, game tying goal, and then. With a couple minutes for for the game to end to officially go to overtime, uh, Arjen Robben, uh, which uh, played for the Netherlands, decided to to dive into a swimming pool in the uh, <laughs> in, in the zone uh, on the box or whatever you want to call it, and the ref decided to call it penalty. Still to this day, the hashtag Penal, uh, which uh, translates to it wasn't a penalty. Uh, haunts everybody every every mexican that i know we we remember 2014 as the year that we could have went to that fifth game to to where we could have compete and not make it far but obviously compete and get into that fifth game and we were we were so ecstatic so so hyped and then the heart crunching Finality to that game was Her, just, crunching.
1: That's actually a good mm. one. It's not heartbreaking. Crunch, it crushed heart the right shit right out of
2: it. I, 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 got, I was dead after that pretty much. He's literally like,
1: <laughs> flatlined in it. my heart. And over there. Mom's like <laughs> resuscitating him and shit.
2: I had a Mexican <laughs> flatline during that. Dude, it was the mo- it was the most heartbreaking loss I've ever <laughs> I mean, experienced. Mexicans worldwide time. die. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even going to lie bro. that shit. Dude. <laughs> Immediately after that, like, Facebook was quiet for, like, 15 minutes after that play because nobody... Wanted Moment to... of silence for our Mexico friends. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> that shit was just so depressing that it... To this day, that shit was not a penalty, that fucking uh. piece of shit, FIBA. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. Shout out to FIBA. Yeah, fuck them.
1: So. so, Stan, does this
2: answer your question?
1: We're all depressed now, man. We were feeling really good, you know, really excited about this Titans-Chiefs game, and you ask us this question about our most depressing low moments Now I'm going to go fans. take a cold shower. Thanks, Stan. No, i was kidding, man. Thank you for the question, as always. We'll and thank everybody the uh, for the mailbag questions, as we do each and every week. On Monday, we drop those on our Facebook page. Thank you all so much. We had a lot of regulars this week, but we let we you know we're always holding out hope for new guys, newbies out there to drop us a line, ask us a question, or make a statement. Whatever you guys got, we're here for that. So we need to move along because we have a couple more topics for the day, and we're going to get out of here and let you enjoy the rest of your weekend. It is the Chiefs and Titans this week. Let's go. A, a massive matchup. The Titans are coming off a big game that's making them feel really good about themselves. I know that the, that game had more to do with the Bills dropping it more than the Titans winning it because the Bills, quite frankly, were the better team in that game. They just had some serious mishaps that yeah. it equated into a three point loss that they shouldn't have lost. But the Titans are feeling really good about themselves because no one was, including us, picked the Titans to win this game. I believe. The Bills were, I think, a 7-point favorite on the road, which means they'd be at least a 12, 13-point favorite at home yep. had it played in Buffalo. But Titans took care of business, got what needed to be done, and Derrick Henry showed the legend that he is in this game. The, the crazy thing about Derrick Henry this season in particular is the way he's been accumulating his yards. He's not getting them like 6, 7 yards at a time. He'll get two yards, three yards, two yards, negative one yard, five yards, Death four yards, 58 yards. Yep. Like he does this weird thing <laughs> where he just, he'll literally just take his time. There's no pressing or rushing anything, literally and figuratively, at times where he's just taking his time. And all of a sudden, he sees that one opening and then runs for 21.8 miles per hour at six foot three, two 247 pounds. We've never seen anything like Derrick Henry. I know there's the comparisons of him and Jim Brown, but Jim Brown wasn't even as big or as fast as Derrick Henry is and didn't face nearly He's the competition. Kind, He's He is truly one of a kind, and there is now a history between the Chiefs and the Titans and Derrick Henry for that matter because we've seen – Derrick Henry absolutely obliterate the Chiefs defense and then absolutely look average against this Chiefs defense. Just two different magnitudes of the game and overall performance. Coming into this matchup, I'll be real with you guys. I've been very nervous about the Chiefs defense, even though they showed us some serious life in that second half against Washington. But this is a whole different animal, a whole different beast the Chiefs are going up against. And the biggest reason why isn't just because of Derrick Henry. It's actually because of the quarterback position. I know Ryan Tannehill has not been great this season by any stretch, but one thing we do know about Ryan Tannehill is he's mobile. Mm-hmm. The guy is able to utilize the bootleg, whether it's for him running or going and getting a guy that's wide open on the flat or down the field because of the play action, everyone biting on it. We saw that many he's times. He's been pretty bad this year. Yes, he has been bad. I think he yeah. only has six touchdowns on yeah, the season, which is bad. not good at all through six weeks. You should be having 11, 12, 13, and beyond <laughs> touchdowns at this point. He's got two yeah, especially in today's NFL. Yes. And Julio Jones and AJ Brown both might miss this game. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, AJ Brown's got an illness and Julio's got a bad hand. Some
3: digestive issues. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think he said it was at Chipotle, believe They're it or not. He he said that Chipotle, yeah, he had mm. food poisoning at that Chipotle. Shit can
3: linger too, man.
1: This is where I'm the most concerned when it comes to this matchup. Because we all know that Derrick Henry's going to get his. I mean, hell, we saw Derrick Henry get over 145 rushing yards and a touchdown against the Jets, mm. and the Titans lost that game. Yeah. We've oh. seen Derrick Henry eat. And then the Titans still take an L. Mm-hmm. We've seen it happen. And that could very well happen in this one. What concerns me is where the Chiefs defense has actually struggled the most, and it's against run, running quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks. From weeks two to, to five, the Chiefs faced uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, uh, Josh uh, jo- no, Josh Herbert, or J- Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, and then Josh Allen. Those guys average almost 60 rushing yards a game against this Chiefs defense. Now, you look at that and you think, oh, it's only 60 yards. It's contextual because what happens is you'll have a third and seven, third and nine, third and eleven, and you think you got your guys all marked up, and then this mobile quarterback runs out and gets 15 yards, and then it just totally decimates the effort your defense just put on the floor for three th- three straight plays. Mm. Those are the types of back-breaking drives and extension of drives that can keep this defense winded. And we all know this Chiefs defense, once they get winded, they don't really have a lot to combat you with. They Once they're backpedaling, they don't really got the lot because they don't, they don't get that up-front pressure enough. Now, the Chiefs are getting Chris Jones back, which means they'll have Frank Clark and him back finally together, which we have to see this going. Mike Danis played well. But we can't rely on Mike Dana each and every week. So the pass rush is still extremely questionable in this one. And again, when Tannehill gets you to bite on these play actions, a lot opens up for them regardless of who he's throwing to and whatever he decides to do with the football. That's actually where I'm focusing the most. Because again, I do expect Derrick Henry to have a good game. Does he have a great game? I don't know. More than likely, he's going to have somewhere in between a great and a good game. I bet he has anywhere from 95 to 120 rushing yards. If he does that, yeah. I think the Chiefs have still a really good chance of winning this game because I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be what dictates the outcome of this game. What's going to dictate the outcome of this game on the defensive side for the Chiefs is how they play against Ryan Tannehill and his mobility. If they if they force, actually, as crazy as this sounds, if they force the game to be ended by Derrick Henry alone, I think that's actually the best bet for the Chiefs because of the fact that if you're Giving multiple if the, if, if the Titans' offense is versatile in this game, the Chiefs' defense is going to be lost. But if they know the only way the Titans are scoring in this game is just through Derrick Henry, I think the Chiefs have a great opportunity. Now, yeah. when it comes to the offensive side of things, I don't want to be hyperbolic here. I really don't. I think this is going to be the best game of Patrick Mahomes' career. This in this game, I oh, wow. really believe that. I think this is going to be the game. game. And I well in that game, though he had four turnovers or five turnovers. Yeah, he was still. The reason, what, that, that, and, and it was a loss, and it was a loss. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. he had he did have six touchdowns yeah. and four hundred and seventy-eight yards. It was that was sick. an incredible game. Yeah, yeah I think he completed seventy-four percent of his passes in mm-hmm. that game. It's a very weird game how that worked out for the Chiefs. But I compare this one to the game I think is currently the best game of Patrick Mahomes' career it was against the Steelers in Week Two of twenty eighteen. Oh yeah. he completed over seventy percent or eighty percent of his passes in that game. 326 yards and six touchdowns, zero picks. Had a perfect football game. Had five incompletions and six touchdowns. You couldn't ask for a better game from a quarterback in the history of football. I think that's the type of game Patrick Mahomes has against these Titans. Not just because Patrick is that great and is capable of doing those types of things, Mm -hmm. but because of the fact the Titans are literally... This is the worst time for them to face Patrick Mahomes. They're so banged up, man. Not just because they're banged up. You're right. Their secondary is decimated with injuries, and they were already terrible going into the season at corner, right? They have a guy named Jack Rabbit Jenkins. It was formerly (laughs) Janoris Jenkins, but he changed his name to try to deflect from the problems he's been having on the field, right? So now we have a Patrick Mahomes who's also pissed off because as you guys, we've all been paying attention to this bullshit narrative that's coming out here about who would you rather take, Derrick Henry or Patrick Mahomes? I love it. It's hilarious. You don't think Patrick Mahomes is seeing that shit? The <laughs> moment he finished fourth for the second straight year in the NFL Top 100 a year ago, what did he do? He tweeted out, check, I got you guys. I got a receipt on this one. And what do you go out there and do? He has an MVP caliber season. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. That's my point in all of this, is that Patrick Mahomes pays attention to these things, and now that he sees a hurting unit against the secondary of the Titans and knows that this defense in itself is not good at all, they have zero strengths on this defense. I mean, I heard a beat reporter from the Titans yesterday try to find something positive in this matchup and said, well, I mean, their pass rush has has improved. The Titans' defense had one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL last season, so from going shit to poop really isn't saying much, so they still suck and this defense is going to give up a lot of points to the chiefs and i think patrick mahomes is going to have a 400 yard plus game and i think he's going to have six touchdowns i'm going to say that right now i think patrick mahomes has that hey y'all forgot about me motherfuckers type of game i really believe i said it uh, 3 weeks ago i said patrick mahomes is going to have over 30 touchdowns before the bye week he's sitting at 18 right now yeah and i think the chiefs bye week's week 10 So they have four more games before that happens. I think Patrick Holmes is going to get over 30 touchdowns before the bye week. And I think that starts this week when he really reestablishes himself as the MVP in the NFL.
3: Yeah, that's why when we were finished watching that, that Bills-Titans game, I I immediately told you, my dude, Pat is going to destroy this Titans defense because he's going to do everything that Josh Allen wasn't doing. And Josh Allen always has those letdown games. There were so many opportunities he had that he left on the field, let alone he blew the game by that terrible sneak. It was trash like he completely slipped how is a guy that big just slip and fail on a sneak like that either way like there were so many points the bills left on that field they could have blew them out I will say Mike Vrabel is an absolute genius he's one of my favorite coaches in this league the little like things he does where he where he shifted his defensive line just at the right time where he can shift your defensive line he made the bills jump little things like that he's so tactical and that's very Belichickian he learned a lot of that from Bill Belichick that's small little minute things in the game that you can tweak and, and cause you know, mistakes on the other side. Uh, I, I I very much have a ton of respect for Mike Vrabel. I think he's a genius. Um, but as far as the, as far as the Chiefs defense goes, I think that you say Ryan mobile. He's he's mobile opportunistically. He's not like a mobile. He's not a running quarterback. He's not. He's not. There's not really many designed runs. He's not. He's not one of those guys. There's only a, a handful, maybe of those kind of guys in the league that has designed run plays. He's very rarely like a design run guy. He, he When the when there's a lot of everyone's downfield and, and the play breaks down, yes, he has wheels. He can get there. He can definitely run. Um, but we've seen guys like he's similar to Pat. Pat can run for a you 20-25 know, scamper, get you a first down plus every once in a while. That's kind of how Ryan Tannehill, he's very opportunistic. I just think we need to blitz. That'll take that right away. In my mind, if we blitz him, he gets very uncomfortable. If we rattle him, he's going to start throwing picks and making mistakes. We've seen Tannehill get rattled like that. I think if we blitz and bring guys off the edge and keep him in the pocket where he's not able to run and when the play breaks down and we get home on these blitzes we blitz sneed every once in a while we blitz tyron bro i love when we those blitz packages with, with tyron and sneed and we get because they almost always get there and i think if frank clark can continue the, what he was doing last week setting that edge and getting there he should have had a sack last week <laughs> heineke just happened to you know roll on top of his body and get back up which is a heads up play by heineke kudos to him but. I think if we can get to Tannehill like that, and that the offensive line is already without on uh, that's a huge loss for them. Uh, he's going to be out this week, so with the concussion, or whatever. So I think that's huge, and we need to take advantage of that. I think we need to blitz the hell out of Ryan Tannehill. We can let if Derrick Henry beats the blitz and he breaks free and, and gets a couple big chunk plays, maybe a couple touchdowns. I'll live with it because I 100% agree with you. I think Pat's going to go off. I think he's going to do what Josh Allen refused to do and just absolutely decimate this defense. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, and I think Josh uh, Josh Gordon might even get a score here. I think we're going to absolutely go off. I think offensively, I'm not worried about this at all. I think we continue to trend offensively what we were doing to Washington, who's even far better defense than this Titans defense is in my mind. Um, and they haven't even been good. I think this Titans defense is a bottom five defense in this league. Uh, I think Pat's going to go do what we expect him to do. And I think this is definitely even a more of a get-right game and a continuance of that second half in Washington. But defensively, I think this—I think we're going to be okay. I—I—I'm fully on board and okay with Derrick Henry getting his. Fine. If we're throwing touchdowns and scoring in two and a half, three minutes on a drive, and then they want to go have a long running drive with Derrick Henry that's going to take six, seven minutes, go for it. You're going to get boat raced. We're going to destroy you. That's how you want to go for it, and especially if they're without. Uh, uh, Ag Brown and, and Julio Jones. I'm, I don't expect Julio Jones to play. I think that Hammy is going to be a problem. If he, if he suits up, he's probably going to re-injure again, just like he did in the Bills game.
4: And,
1: and best case scenario for the Titans, you're getting a guy maybe 60 percent of what Julio normally is. Right. And at this point, Julio hasn't had a great season. So he's both had those moments, guys are out. But, you got
3: yeah. Chester Rogers as your number one receiver.
1: Yeah. Good luck, man. And, and yeah, Taylor Luan's not that's playing this saying. game. That's, yeah, true, so that's, so that's why I think we need a, a massive loss. loss. I think we need to blitz the despite shit what out of despite what Chris Broussard thinking that the Bills. Have <laughs> Taylor Lewan as their uh, left tackle, dude, so and in good. fact, he does play for the Titans. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel bad for Broussard on that one. Yeah, he, so that, he didn't own it. So
3: matchups make fights. Uh, Vrabel coaches ass up against the Bills. He took advantage of of uh, in finding the weak points in Josh Allen's game. Josh Allen has those up and down games. He's kind of a roller coaster guy. He's not the thrower that Patrick Mahomes is. Yep, yeah. he's he's just not. You put Patrick Mahomes in that Bills offense, they blow them out. Absolutely, I have that, no doubt in my mind. Patrick Mahomes is going to pick this defense apart. Um, we're gonna do, what we, and, and, and and obviously the coaching staff, offensive coaching staff, and in, 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 in over there in Billstown is not what Andy Reid is. Yeah. Andy Reid is gonna go out here and just have a game plan. I expect us to be fireworks from the jump until the very end.
2: Yeah, uh, I think my main focus on this game is on the defense. I, I, I'm not too concerned about the offense. Uh, hopefully, their their turnovers are gonna uh, slowly get away. Like I said, uh, but other than that, I'm not too concerned. I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna go out there and and, and uh, get his game. Or uh, I don't think he's going to be a, a, a record game for him, but I, I think he's going to have a great game. Uh, maybe, hopefully, he doesn't throw any picks in this game, but the way we're going this season, who knows. Uh, but, like I said, my main focus on this defense, can they stop Derrick Henry? Can they stop those chunk, chunk yard plays? Can, can they stop him from getting uh, 15 to 20 yards uh, every now and then? What are they going to do to tackle that? Like, I'm with Trev. They should send a blitz. I think they should put that pressure on Tannehill early so they can kind of go on that run game, kind of. Force themselves into that run game. I will say we, this
3: too, to interrupt you real quick. The only way you're going to stop Derrick Henry, you can't let him get going. Yes. If once he misses, once you miss that first tackle, we got to meet him in the backfield yes. because once he gets going, get his 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 weight starts rolling and he gets yeah. those 21 mile an hour runs. You're fucked. Yeah, and
2: we can't we can't expect got Ty- him in the backfield. Yeah, we can't expect Tyron Matthew. Yeah. Blum, I'm, I'm Blum, so glad you said that. I'm so glad Blum, you said that because to, to think about
1: Blum. what Twitter is going to be like if Tyron Matthew blows up Derrick Henry on a play. <laughs> Like think about what Twitter's going to yeah. look like, or even on the opposite. Or what end, his Twitter going to look say, like. After let's say, the game. Yeah, let's say, yeah, I mean, Henry, let's say Derrick Henry. Let's say Derrick Henry just not, like runs <laughs> yeah. over him like a dandelion. Like yeah. imagine like either I one of like those this. things happening. Twitter, I, I'm not missing it. I'm gonna tell you right, that's must see TV, bro. <laughs> yeah. So you better get on your Twitter sphere when that happens, yeah, boys. I want to see.
2: I want to see what what this Chiefs defense does to adjust to Derrick Henry and and the type of play. Yeah. 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 So yeah. we've we've seen him. Uh, was it the playoffs that the Chiefs made? Uh, Pretty much they made, forced Tannehill to try yeah, to beat him. I think yeah, Derrick Henry's going to eat. but yeah. they, they made I Henry exactly obsolete in that game. He was nobody. Uh, so I do expect this game to be more like that first game that they played in, in uh, Nashville a couple years ago. Kind of a shootout. Uh, yeah, kind of like a shootout. I think they're going to go back and forth because I think both these teams' defense is not good enough. And I think the offenses for both teams are good enough to put points on the board. Yeah. So I think we're going to see a back and forth on both on on trade blows. blows, yeah, trading blows. So Expect some game. trickery. I yeah. think so Rabel's gonna have is, some tricks up his yeah. sleeve. so yeah. this is gonna come down to who makes the the least amount of mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's what this game's gonna come down to. And, and to your point about my
1: about the defense is not really having much say in how this game's ended up going. I'm with Trevor on this. I wouldn't be shocked if Rabel start tries a fake punt mm-hmm. or an onside kick mm-hmm. to take try to take away a possession Find from the edge. Chiefs yeah. because he knows. Because honestly, in this game. The Chiefs have the better defense. As crazy as that sounds, I think they have the better defense in this matchup. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really do. Well, just far, based far on availability more talent. alone. Far just more based, talent. And that's crazy to say because the Chiefs have been the worst defense, arguably, in football this season. But the Titans have already have been, I think they're 25th overall in defense, and they've lost three starters this last seat yeah. this last game. So I, I do think there's there's a real opportunity for the Chiefs to put on some serious points. I just don't think the Titans are going to be able to hang with the Chiefs, even if even with the Chiefs' defensive effic- deficiencies. To your point about this being more similar to that. Uh, week 10 game against them in 2019, outside of a few just horrific, like a block kick and yeah, uh, 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 say, uh, uh, gonna special gonna teams turnover, special team shares. touchdowns, outside of that, the Chiefs should have won that game. And Patrick Holmes had 446 yards and three touchdowns in coming that game. Off a turn- or coming and, off an injury. And that Titans defense yeah. was significantly better than this, this Titans defense. Yeah. So just bear that in mind as well. Uh, we're going to get to the key, key players of this game, and then we're going to get to holding some L's. When it comes to the key players of this game, it's a guy that I think has been the most consistent chief this season that I think is, is, hasn't had a big game over the last three weeks but is going to have a massive game, in this one is Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I, think he's gonna be the, I think he's the key player because there's not a single linebacker <laughs> no. on that Titans defense that has a prayer of stopping him. Their safeties and corners, as we've already talked about 15 fucking times, is completely decimated. Yeah. Travis Kelsey, banged up or not, is going to, I think, have two to three touchdowns in this game. I think Tyree Hill on a snap count is still going to be effective. Mm-hmm. He probably will get a touchdown as well because of the fact that I think he's going to play roughly 45 to 48 snaps like he did last decoy. week. Of, yeah, because quad, his quad injury is still there. Yeah. I think Travis Kelsey, with him being a full go in practice this week outside of the rest day he had, I think you're going to see a Travis Kelsey game about 130 receiving yards and about two to three touchdowns. Yeah. I think he's going to have the best game of his season – to this point against this defense. It's it's the opportunity is there for them to do what they want to do. You saw them in that second half against a, a decent Washington defense. Not a great defense, but a decent Washington defense. Just move the ball. It was without there was no sweat on their backs. They were just moving the ball. No questions asked. Demarcus Robinson a fucking forty-five yard touchdown. I think that's the kind of game the Chiefs are going to have, and I think a lot of those targets are going to go to Travis Kelsey because he's been due. He hasn't had a great game in about three or four weeks. He's going to have a great game this week. That's my key player on the defensive side. I I, I think it's got to be it's got to be Derek Nottie. It's got to be one of him or Jaron Reed up front because Trevor's one hundred percent right. They're going to have to get hands on Derek Henry early on the snap as soon as he's getting that ball and he's two three yards behind the line of scrimmage you're gonna have to at least slow him down enough to allow your corners and safeties to come down and get that additional hit and pressure on him if they don't do that and he's only getting hit six seven yards into the play motherfucker's gonna eat us alive this week and i think that's what's gonna happen probably anyway but to give themselves a fighter's chance you're gonna have to break through that shaky offensive line and give yourself a chance to slow down that monster known as Derek john henry
3: yeah, I mean, offensively, I mean, I can just close my eyes and line up all of our offensive players and just pick one. I think any any of these guys could go off this week against that secondary. Um, Presidential flashcards for money. me. For me, it's I want to see Travis Kelsey, but I'm expecting that out of him, man. Uh, I think, I think this could be. I want. It's, for me, it's between McColl and 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 um, Daryl Williams. Mm. I think Darrell Williams can. I'm going to go Daryl Williams. I think. I think. I think. I think the Bills. I think the Bills made a mistake. I don't think they ran it enough against this team obviously they're, they're the most ha- pass heavy offense in the league the bills throw more than anybody they have pretty much zero running game and even though they got competent running backs like zach moss who i think is a stud but they don't utilize him right i think Daryl williams is going to eat i think he, not even i think more in the passing game like you've alluded to i think he's going to get more involved in the passing game i think he could have a couple receiving passing uh, uh, touchdowns i think mm-hmm. when things get tight in the red zone we can have a couple th- dump off pass to him in the red i just don't think they have the linebackers to tackle him. I think he's going to be a force out there. He's a big, I think he's wants to continue what he did last week. I think he's hungry. I think he's, he's kind of like a, one of those, like the snowball effect is getting bigger and gaining more speed as he's tumbling down and collecting more snow. I think this is just one of those things where I think Daryl Williams is going to continue doing what he did. And I think he's going to have another couple touchdowns this week. And then defensively, I'm going to say Nick Bolton. I think Nick Bolton, he's our leading, he's our leading tackler. I think he's the I think he's leading the league in tackles. Um, uh, I think he's gonna have. I think he's gonna play a role in the not stopping Derrick Henry, but I think he's gonna have a couple hits in the backfield where he gets Derrick Henry. And I think it's just gonna be. This could be a pivotal game for his career to get gain some more confidence and, and fight figure out who what his identity is on this defense. I like him. I think he's in. I think with the, with Luon being down, that that offensive line are already being pretty weak. I think he can get himself a sack here. I think he a, a couple of blitz packages if we use him, and utilize him the right way, like I, like we've watched him in when he was in Mizzou. He was great at getting through that line and getting to the backfield, and getting sacks and beating running backs uh, in the backfield. And I think I think we're going to need him to use him with that strength to to help get to Derrick Henry in the backfield because that's the only way you're going to stop Derrick Henry is don't let him get going. So I think he's going to be a vital part of that. Um, and I was, I'm am expecting a um, you know six to seven tackle game from him, and I think he's going to have a couple big plays and uh, I think it'll be eye popping.
2: Man, all right for the offense, like Trevor said, you can pick anybody, but in this game particularly I think I'm gonna go with Mikko. I think yeah I think I think miko's gonna have a, a a great game. I think he's gonna blow off I think mm-hmm. they're gonna have a lot of those uh uh plays where he come coming round yeah. yep and Jet then just yep those and I think yeah. he's he's gonna eat this week I think he's gonna have uh, maybe a couple of touchdowns uh, a long receiving touchdown because uh, I, like I, I, I think uh the the focus with the with the Titans is gonna be on Travis Kelsey and and Tyreek Hill Even though Tyreek Hill Is banged up They still want to Double cover him Because oh, he's he still deadly on the On the uh, uh, Fuck with uh, On the quick plays mm-hmm. he's, he's still screen deadly plays, yeah. yeah The oh, screen yeah. plays He's still deadly So they want to have That two Two main coverage Exactly So they want to have That two main coverage On those so I think uh, Them focusing too much On Tyreek and Travis Kelce Is going to free up uh, Miko. And with his speed I think he's going to Be able to uh, get in the back and kind of burn burn the the safeties and the, like it. yeah. So you
1: forget he had that was it a sixty four yard touchdown to against to the wins, Titans a couple years yeah, ago. Oh, so yeah, yeah. so
2: I, I do see Miko going off on this, and that was a short week.
1: pass too. Patrick jumped up and threw that ball. it was like ten yards in the air yep. and, and then, then took it just, for the next fifty five. So
2: <laughs> and then from a defender uh, for the defense. Uh, I'm gonna go with Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark Ooh, yeah. uh, okay. last week uh, like kind of. I think last week he he finally started. We started seeing a little bit of that Frank Clark that we we were used to seeing. Uh, though it was in the second half, I, I do think he him having Chris Jones there. I think it's gonna ha- uh, help him a little bit and and get to Tannehill. I, I do I do see him get uh, one to two sacks in this game. Uh, I, I think uh, Frank Clark's going to have a great game.
1: And to Trevor's point, if Darrell Williams has the game that he has, how crazy would it be that Derek Henry wouldn't even be the best running back on the field? If that because cool. if Daryl ha- if Daryl has a game like that, I mean he's he'd be Could the best be. best running back on I the think, field. I, in just, the game. I, I think I
3: the Chiefs are. Gonna, I think the Chiefs. I think we know that playing complementary football was a great formula, and it worked. And it, it I think Darrell just was a great complementary piece in the running game. Granted, he didn't have that many yards, but he was efficient. And he did what we needed to do, getting those first downs and just be, and the red zone
1: too, man. I, I just I, I think I, I think, he's I think this will be the first season. week the Chiefs since week one will not have a single turnover. I think this is the game where the Chiefs go in there, they don't punt, they yeah. just go in there and establish dominance on the offensive side. And I I, I really I'm expecting that. I I really am expecting the Chiefs to do what they need to do because yeah. even with the turnovers, they're scoring at a higher clip and a higher efficiency rating than anyone in the NFL mm. three point three yard three point three points per per possession. That's almost as great as their defense has been bad. That's saying something. It's historic. So that's that's where I'm at right now. I think the defense takes another step up in the scoring column, but I still think that the Titans are going to be able to do enough oh, yeah. to make this a game. Just because we have to give their offense respect, too. Even when they're banged up, when you have a guy like Derrick Henry in the backfield, you always have a puncher's chance of making this game into what you want it to be. So that's where I'm at. I think that we all agree the Chiefs are going to win this game. We're going to give you guys our scoring totals ne- tomorrow before the game starts. It is a noon kickoff, so stay alert on Our full slate of picks Not just Chiefs games But obviously Everybody that's playing We're going to give you Our picks on those as well Mm -hmm. Guys we have one more Order of business to tend to What is it called Hold this L Each and every week We finish off Each and every episode With a series of L's In the world of sports Regardless if they're friendly Or not friendly We promise you Who is ever holding the L In the world of sports From us They deserve those motherfuckers We're going to start With Mr. Eddie Ortiz Mr. Yo 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 Who is holding the L For you this week And is it F1 again No Okay
2: Man I wish I could do an L but but this this what I'm doing it deserves a W just because it's it's something we've never seen in the world of soccer. Um, I've never I personally never seen it, and I don't think a lot of people have ever seen this kind of dominance. Uh, and my W is going to go to Bayern Munich. Uh, why is it going to go to Bayern Munich? Well, in their last nine, I believe it was in nine games, nine to ten games, they haven't lost. They played good competition because Barcelona's in here but I'm going to read you the score lines of each game. I'm not going to read the opponents, but I'm going to read the score lines of their previous 9 to 10 games. Starting with uh 12-0, 5-0, 4-1, 3-0, 7-0, 5-0, mm. 5-1, 4-0 and 4-0. I'm
1: sorry, are we talking about the Golden State Warriors or are we talking <laughs> about
2: Bayern Munich? Damn. Bayern Munich for sure. Uh they the 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 dominance that they've had in in Europe in the past few years. Uh, it's 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 baffling. Uh, they they won the championship two years ago, but it's just crazy and hard to believe that this team is out there just destroying teams.
1: You could have taken that first game, the twelve oh one, yeah. and just and spread, spread that it. across yeah. them
2: and that's still really good soccer. Yeah. You know, but but what that's one game. That's Holy one game. shit. Man. So everybody's been pressed. Think about it. Barcelona is in that list. And Barcelona is a Top-level team. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig is on here as well. You have Bayer Leverkusen. uh, Benfica, which is another uh, great team from Portugal. So, you have... It's not like they're just beating anybody's. They're beating great teams. And they're not just beating them. They're destroying them. Uh, People might be like, well, it's only 3-0. Well, 3-0 in uh, professional soccer, especially European soccer, is a lot. It's a blowout. It's Yes. So... Man, I, 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 wanted to do an L, but just with with this, with with what they're doing, with what they've done in the the previous two months, it, it, it you have to acknowledge it. You have to. Uh, right now, what I would say that they're probably the best club in in the world right now. Yeah, that's a lot. That's saying a lot. So for that reason, by a minute, you're gonna have to hold this W. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: Trevor Twidwell, who is holding the L for you, and is it depressing as fuck as it normally is? I want to throw out a
3: W real quick, too, oh, uh, to go. Dearness Johnson. Um, that kid, man, this, the, the story, if you guys watched that Browns-Broncos game, um, no one expected Dearness Johnson to go out there. I, just, I know it's a Browns, it's an AFC team, you know, it's a foe of ours, but I just, man, I love seeing stories like that. 143 yards rushing, and I think a couple 168 of, total. Six yeah. and 6.6 <laughs> six, uh, yards per carry. Against, the, against the fourth ranked defense of the NFL at that point. I mean, absolutely destroyed them single handedly. I mean that was, and the guy was without a job. He was inboxing uh highlight AAF tapes. He was teams. In, uh, inboxing highlight and DMs right here.
1: highlight tapes of himself to, to yeah, to Courtney. Um, Kramer on Twitter semi pro football leagues. She was the one that was running this these organizations, and she said that uh my favorite story about no not to steal your thunder, Trevor, but my no, favorite yeah, story yeah. about De'Ernest, he DM'd every yes. AAF team in twenty eighteen asking for a tryout, mm. made the Orlando team then popped off kid has worked his ass off he's earned this of course i saved the screenshot this is literally the screenshot real quick just a little paragraph he goes hi my name is dearness johnson i'm the former running back for the university of south florida after finishing college at usf i attend a training camp after uh with the new orleans saints where i have since been a free agent i am very interested in becoming a part of the alliance league and would love the chance to send in my highlight videos for you all to view. thank you I mean, I mean, that doesn't just, like, give exactly. you just the warmth, that's man. is what, what sports is
3: all about, man. The opportunity the kid got. He Such was a, a job. Story.
1: And shout out to BJ Kissel, man, exactly. for Let It Fly man. Media, for getting Called that story that. on Deon- Dearness yeah. months ago. Yep.
3: Months ago. Yep. He's a talent, bro. And Go watch the, that. And in the post, if you watch his post interview, because LeBron tweeted about him, and he, like, you just see his face lit up on the – Dude, he's like, LeBron? But like, that's, like, dude, the, the kid – An Ohio peak moment king for as well, life, yeah, bro. yeah. Like, just I love stories like that, and the and football uh, maybe of any sport yeah. gives guys throws guys into big opportunities get the, like get that. Get a game ball too. And when from they Stepanski. take it, and they run with it. Yeah, the kid's not if he doesn't make it with the Browns next year, he's gonna have himself a job somewhere. I ain't else. gonna lie,
1: I was I was a little uh, I, mean, I was, yeah, I was yeah, wiping yeah. him away when I saw dusty. him get the game ball, it was dude. A little dusty in the room. Yeah. yeah,
3: it was. I love stories like that, man. So I, I didn't want the show to go on without at least acknowledging the kid's performance. It was absolutely incredible, Yes. dominant. You don't see that very often in sports where someone out of nowhere. Outside of BJ e. Kessel calling it, like, saying that he's a talent. The kid was – he looked like a legitimate NFL running back, man. I hope he gets a job. If he doesn't stay with the Browns somewhere else, I want to see the kid have a career in this league. Uh, it was fun to see. <clears throat> but my L
0: yes.
3: <laughs> is going to go to Chicago Bears fans. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that game against the – the, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just does what he does to Packers fans every single time, man. No matter if it's in Soldier Field yeah. or wherever. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just, I'll just cut right to it. But basically – Aaron Rodgers had a play where it broke down there in the red zone. He did his thing where he scrambles around looking for a pass, looking downfield, and then he scrambles and runs for I think it was like a 16 yard run to the end zone. He got a rushing touchdown. There was like fans flipping him off, Bears fans flipping him off, and he said he supposedly he said the quote was no, he he said, Oh you he supposedly you can hear it, it's audible, it's on video. Oh yeah, yeah. You he can hear what he says by saying he said he blacked out when he saw the, all the middle fingers. <laughs> he's like fuck <laughs> all y'all all my you
1: guys, fucking
0: life.
3: Yeah, yeah. He goes, I own you. I, own you. I, I always, I still own you. <laughs> The reason I'm giving the Bears not only just because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers obviously owns them, he has you know he, he's a part owner of them already at this point. Uh, it, it's obviously triggering even old players for the Bears. Uh, so so recently after that happened, obviously it triggered uh, former Bears center Olin Kruitz. Yeah, he went on he went on the the radio and uh, this was his quote
1: yeah Danny Perkins talked about it's this so actually yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know he talked about yeah. that
3: I just I read about this and I was like I gotta talk about this in the show yeah, it's so good yeah, yeah. So I, I love triggered fans it's fun especially when, <laughs> when my guy Aaron Rodgers is triggering him that's my guy <laughs> dude he did the belt dude, dude no I, less he did,
4: hey, wait, when
3: we watched that live what did I said yeah. oh, gonna do the he, he did fucking the fucking did belt so stoked, dude yes man. I love that man so much anyways uh the quote from uh from Crutes was he went on radio and said this he said, I like to punch him in the face when you see that that's your reaction. You won a lot of you. You have won a lot of games at Soldier Field. Just because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it. He mad salt. He said salt. Fucking Shake that salt, shit, bro. Yeah, cruts out here. But guys, old. No, he was doubling former it. Former sinners are coming out of the grave to come out here and say quotes like that. <laughs> Salt,
1: bro. Oh. That's pure. He owns them, bro. Yes. I love it. And so. Olin Krutz, all he did was just—he confirmed that. Yeah. Because him to be that angry about this—that just right. proves he's that guy, he knows. He's, he's like, a... "Fuck, this guy owns us. We're sick of it." Just that shit. because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it. Are you serious? Just because you've owned us doesn't bro. mean you owned us. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just because you beat our ass he's every year—he's so. what 22 and five in his career against the yeah. Bears. Yeah. yeah. Like Crazy dude. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's like it's like us getting mad that Peyton Manning was destroying us. He was a Bronco. I
1: mean. We were I, mad, but like what are you gonna do? Deny but, it? Yeah, but I mean yeah, you gotta yeah, acknowledge like, the greatness that it was. I don't believe what's happening. <laughs> nope. You know <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck, fuck you Peyton. <laughs> I don't care if Yeah,
3: so You suck. Assault <laughs> like not only just for Bears fans, but the obviously Bears greats coming yeah. out and talk about it a yeah. lot on the radio being just showing their saltiness. Bears fans, Bears ex-players, whoever wants to talk shit
1: on that, take your L, do me a favor, and hold, hold this, this L! Out. yeah, Mr. Uh, Mister Crutes, I think he's feeling bad because when he had to go against Rodgers in his career, he had fucking Jay Cutler and Kyle Orton as his quarterback. So <laughs> I, think he, I think he actually played with Rex Grossman, too, believe it or not. I want to punch him in the face. I'm going to give a W. I, I do want to echo Trevor's sentiments about uh, Dearness Johnson. I, I do want to echo those sentiments because that's how I felt the entire game. And, again, yeah. I want to reemphasize that BJ Kissel from Let It Fly Media and KCSN was all over the story yeah. with Dearness. Dearness Johnson beforehand it is truly a rags to riches story man when it comes to what he's been able to do in his career already also he won me some money on fantasy and too that so doesn't that hurt helps. either yeah. uh, having actually uh, I don't believe in PFF but I will say this just in the context <laughs> no, of this situation real. I not believe in them yeah I, I'm all in accruits <laughs> in this situation um, no but I, I don't I don't really listen to a lot of things the PFF says yeah. because they've made up a lot of their shit but one thing i will give credit to what they said about Dearness Johnson's performance is it actually graded out as the best performance by a running back this season Six and, a and a that's half, including that's right. including Derrick, Derrick Henry's recent performance yeah. against the Bills so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's one of my favorite stories so far this year when it comes to the world of sports and not just football. Stefanski, bro. Yes, Stefanski
0: scheme. That this game is why I picked perfectly. the Browns
1: in this game. Yeah. Because of the fact that I believe that no matter who the running back is, with behind that offensive line with Batonio and the fellas, yeah. you're gonna get well, your I'm a fan of and Case Dearness Keenum. Johnson. Dearness Johnson capitalized. Yeah. Man, did his thing. You have Case Keenum Case as your Keenum's quarterback. A solid Didn't the starting backup. quarterback. Solid yeah. Backup. looked well, but yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna echo that. I want to give a W to a guy that's actually a part of the Chiefs. And it sucks because the season ended this week against Mm. the Washington football team. And I'm talking about Jody Fortson. Uh, I'm giving him a W, not because obviously he suffered an injury. I'm I'm giving him a W because of what he did in the time he's had this season. Scoring multiple touchdowns, working his ass off. To make this roster on a roster that already had both travis kelsey the best tight end in nfl history with blake bell also an experienced veteran that's already had a tenure here in kansas city before mm-hmm. and noah gray who they just drafted jody forts and an undrafted free agent who's been with the chiefs practice squad for three years does enough to get on this roster despite those other three guys here forcing the, the hand too. of andy Reid to cr- keep an almost unprecedented four tight end roster mm. And then he goes in here and performs and did what he's supposed to do and was a was an absolute positive for what this team has been to this point. It's been an absolute contributor. I'm not saying the Chiefs offense is gonna falter because of it, but it is gonna hurt them. Because this guy was an legitimate option. He he'll wasn't be, just be back. he wasn't just a fan fan favorite. Yeah. He was a legitimate option for Patrick to throw to, especially in the red zone. He was great. A was, 6'6", yeah. 245 hundred forty five pound frame. That contested catch he made in that game. Was, and, and to yeah. see the support, the out, outpouring support from his teammates on Twitter, social media, and on the post conferences, press conferences, rather. Yeah. It's genuine because this guy really is somebody special, and I really believe in him, and I really hope that he gets a chance to come back and prove himself and redeem himself this next season with the Chiefs, and I hope he heals up properly, man, because an Achilles tear is rough. Yeah. That's a really rough injury to go through, and for the next 10 to 12 months, it's going to be a lot for him to get back, but I'm, I'm rooting for him, and I just wanted to hand a W out for Absolutely. him. We got an L to hand out, though, because my guys over in Denver are struggling, man, because we're sitting here <laughs> praising Dearness Johnson, the Cleveland Browns for maybe saving their season with all these injuries they had going on. What the fuck was that that the Bron- Broncos gave us this week against a decimated? What the fuck is happening? I mean, the-, the Browns had guys they signed last week from DeVry University, practically fucking playing out there, <laughs> yeah. man. They had dudes that we have never even heard of, like the Peel's Peele's little skid of all Rolos the weird, weird names they brought up. Those guys actually played in this game, and the Broncos still took an L. They start the season three and O yeah. and are now sitting at three and four. Playing bums. And I why. fucking told you guys that by I think week thirteen is when the Chiefs play. I said the Broncos were going to have a losing record. Buy that game. The Broncos already got a losing record. We're not even halfway there. So this is a beautiful thing to see. I love the shit out of this yes. because the Broncos were sitting out here. Vaughn Miller was talking that shit going in this Nixon. game. He goes, I hope they're ready. Whoever their tackle is because I'm going to kill somebody. That <laughs> did, didn't did do shit. And I'm not trying to piss on him because he did get hurt, but it's not as bad as we thought. It was just a sprained ankle. So he'll be fine. But Vaughn Miller <laughs> talked that shit and was shit. So I got to give the Broncos a solid L on this one. My people in Denver, I love some of you, most of you, probably a lot of you. But in the meantime, I got a little letter that I want to give you guys. So do me a solid and hold hold this L. L. Let's go. That's how we're wrapping the show up. It has been a blast being with you guys today my dude grant morse from arrowhead live i cannot thank him enough for coming on here and dropping some intel dropping some facts i'm telling you guys he's not only just a great guy to follow on at arrowhead live just for chiefs content but he also breaks some news man this dude is connected we really do appreciate everything he brings to us and everything he predicts out there and he always it seems to always come to fruition so follow him give him a follow guys on facebook and on twitter we will have him back on the show i want to make an announcement real quick uh, a guy that is on the mailbag every single week and loves to break down things very methodically <laughs> is going to be joining us next week. That is right, Mr. Shaggy Shane Williams will be joining us be at the Spoken show. Podcast for episode 140. It only feels right. <laughs> Hopefully, we're sitting here breaking down and celebrating a Chiefs victory in Tennessee and the old yes. music city of the world, music Music capital of the world in Nashville, Tennessee. But in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, for our guy Grant Morris, for the great Clay winner that produces all this and makes this shit, and to what it is which is mostly a quality show i'm lance quidwell episode 139 of the spoken is finished it's finito it's done it's gone and until 140 is here we out of this bitch gonna get out of this bitch thank you so much for listening guys see ya
0: you are tuned into the spoken. i might actually stick i might actually stick around for a little bit